Welcome to the Animation Happy Hour. A podcast where we talk about breaking into the animation industry over a couple of drinks. All opinions and views expressed in this podcast are solely our own and are not representative of the companies for whom we work. My name is Garrett. I'm Ben. And I'm Katie. And we are all currently feature film animators at Disney. Today, we are drinking... Pina Scoladas because our episode (laughs) is all about online schools versus brick and mortar schools. Which one should you go to? And we want to give a special shout out to Garrett's girlfriend, Isabel, for coming up with this episode's pun. Thank you. Thank you, Isabel. We almost were stuck with back to school teenies. Which doesn't quite Our, have the same well, ring as Pina Scolata. I was trying to put like gin, <laughs> the education, educate gin. Oh, it yeah. Yeah, it wasn't working. <laughs> yeah, so like Katie mentioned, uh, this episode, we're talking all about um, animation education. And I think um, one of the most frequent questions we've got on about the podcast is like whether it's better to get an education at like a brick and mortar college or an online animation school. Um, brick and mortar, I feel like that term might be a little like like old school. So just in case you don't know what that is, it's just like uh, when you think of like a college that you would go to physically is like when we say brick and mortar, that's what we mean. But yeah, um, like many of our earlier topics, unfortunately, this is not a black and white, you know, clear cut issue, which is why we thought it was a good uh, topic for a whole episode um, because it's kind of complicated. There's a lot of factors to consider and stuff. So we also wanted to say before uh, we move on is uh, we know that we are in quarantine still now, and we're, we're still stay at home, and that has affected the whole education space. So um, we are going to address that at the end. We're going to talk about how that might influence this conversation, too. Um, but generally, when we go through the, the episode, we're going to be speaking in kind of like pre-quarantine terms, because this is very recent and new to us. But we will, we will discuss it, because it does make a huge a difference, I think. And speaking of stay at home, apologies for the audio quality in this episode. We're still sort of figuring out our at home podcast setup. And as a result, we have some audio interference issues that were tough to remove in editing. Uh, so bear with us, it'll get better. That's right. Yeah. And first, we wanted to give a quick disclaimer that obviously, in this episode, we're going to focus mainly on character animation. Uh, but we think a lot of the pros and cons we discuss in this episode will also apply to other disciplines as well. Um, So we'll talk a little bit more about that in the future, but just wanted to say that up front that if you're in some other interested in in some other area of the pipeline, we will not be talking about that as much as character animation in this one. Yeah. Hopefully it'll still be relevant for other disciplines. Like generally for animation, we know the main online schools are kind of animation mentor, anim school, et cetera. But a lot of the other disciplines like lighting, modeling, rigging, um, storyboarding, VizDev, they all have sort of an equivalent online school. So we hope that this information is relevant for everyone. Um, and without further ado, I think it's time to introduce our very special guests for the episode. Um, so we would like to welcome our very good friends and fellow Disney animators, Laura Hahn and Joe Hallmark, Woo! to the welcome. show. Woo! Welcome, guys. <laughs> Laura and Joe, thank you so much for being here to chat with us today. 
So it may come as no surprise to you guys that we actually invited Laura and Joe because we felt like they would be really great counterparts to our brick and mortar experience. And our understanding is that Joe and Laura, you guys both got most of your animation education online. So we'd love to hear a little bit just about your backgrounds um, and how you got to where you are today. So let's kick it off with Joe. So a little bit about myself. Um, I was born in Uzbekistan, uh, grew up outside of the U.S., uh, and uh, had very limited access to things like internet because it wasn't uh, widely available or it was pretty expensive as well. Uh, but then we were lucky enough to have moved to the United States uh, around high school years. And by that time, I pretty much knew what I wanted to do uh, so i was very fortunate in that sense that i knew i wanted to do something in like with 3d animation because uh i feel like it was it was one of those things where you don't have to rely on people and it's it was about like creating something um interesting or unique it's like it was mentioned before playing with uh, lego bricks and um that feel of just Constructing something out of nothing is all has always been exciting. So um, yeah, I tried out a bunch of disciplines, and I found out that the animation was the hardest thing that I could uh, find reference for. So uh, that kind of kind of pushed me towards learning animation in general. Mm-hmm. And as far as uh, my experience prior to animation mentor, I only had high school. Uh, so once we moved to US, I finished, oh, well, I started and finished high school. And by that time, I was just searching for, for a school to learn that specific field, the animation field. Uh, and after Animation Mentor, um, I was done. I got a job offer. Uh, and I've been hopping from work to work ever since. Cool. That's awesome. So I'm actually very similar to Joe as well. Um, I, my entire animation, I guess, education came online. Um, I had um, actually a career switch. Um, I went to school. Well, my initial dream was I want to be like an astrophysicist. Um, and wow. so I went to space camp in high school. <laughs> and to space cool. camp in high school. I went to MIT for engineering and I like switched degrees. I thought I'd be like a chemical engineer and then an environmental engineer. So I've, and then I ended up with a, like a degree in business from MIT. So I've kind of like run the gamut of that. Wow. I'm sure, you know, there are a lot of people that kind of relate to this situation where they're kind of, they're doing something because that's what they've sort of been told, like, this is kind of your path for you, but mm-hmm. you don't feel like it's right. Um, and I think getting out of that and realizing that's really difficult. Um, and this, this is going to sound really depressing, but it was okay. I mean, it was a little depressing. But, um, so I had eight weeks off of work uh, on a medical leave of absence. And literally that entire time, I was just either in my bed, super depressed, not knowing what I want to do with my life. I don't. So I'd never seen the movie Cars, the Pixar movie Cars. And I had, I don't know, I, I had like nothing going for me. So I was like, whatever, I'll throw it on. Um, and I, I put it on. <laughs> so it, it took you... Just being in bed all day and seeing a therapist to finally motivate you to see cars? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I feel like I'm giving the wrong impression. Hey, officially, no, we want to say we all like cars. No, <laughs> we yeah, respect like you, Pixar. direction I'm going with this completely. <laughs> um, because, like, so for everyone that's seen it, um, the three-minute opening sequence of that movie was just, like, it just, like, was so riveting to me. Um uh, like the way the music was going, the cars were revving around the track. Um, 
I don't know. It was just like so well done. That was it. Honestly, it sounds so cliche, but it just like it kind of brought me back to life. I remember like I was on my bed and I would rolled over and I looked at the screen and I was just like, wow, like that's amazing. And somebody's doing that. Um, so I think that was like my aha moment um, where I kind of was like, holy, holy crap, like this is this is a thing um, for me at the time. I felt like I was switching careers very late. I was 27, um, which now in retrospect, you know, it's not that late. But at the time, at a time where all my other peers were really successful in their careers or very set in their ways. Um, I just feel like doing a major switch like that was kind of, I don't know, I just couldn't do it. Um, I actually ended up taking an intro to Maya course um, over at SVA. Um, and that one, I think, actually really helped me. Um, I had a great mentor there who um, really, like, I don't know, encouraged me in terms of, like, this being a, a possible career route. And that's when I first heard of Animation Mentor because I had actually literally been battling this like topic today, like, should I go into a brick and mortar school or should I go to like an online school? Mm -hmm. And I had no idea like what the options were. And I stumbled on animation mentor at the time. And I, <laughs> I don't know if it was like bad to see. you can cut it out. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, because like when I first went to the animation mentor website, I thought it was a scam. I thought the website was super <laughs> scammy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I had the same, the same sort of worry <laughs> when I, when I looked at that website back then, it was like, I don't know. The, a lot the, of those promo videos. Them. Uh, yeah, of students is like, oh, I got a job after graduating. I'm like, ah, is this staged or should I go? I know, I was them? like, that's so fake. <laughs> and, I was like, and then they're like, oh, and it's only like $2,000. Please pay up front. I'm like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> um, so, but actually, so it was because I was taking that um, the SVA class, um, I asked my mentor that time, I was like, hey, like, have you heard of Animation Mentor? Is this legit? And he was actually like, no, that's super legit. I have a lot of students who like, they're working in the industry now. Um, and because I trusted him and yeah, like just because he said that, it kind of gave me the courage to like, okay, like I'll invest at least like the first class and see how sure. I feel about mm -hmm. it. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, like the long run way of how I ultimately like got into animation and then had the kind of like courage to like actually start animation mentor and really invest into that. That is so cool. And it's really interesting having both of you guys on because I feel like you have two different perspectives of a similar issue. Like Laura, you took some you were in undergrad for something else and then you decided to go into online animation schools and Joe kind of went into online animation schools like right out of the gate so I think it'll be useful to hear from both of your experiences and yeah I think it's cool yeah um, I love that both like an 18 year old Joe and 27 year old Laura came to the same website and they're like this is a scam <laughs> 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 but I'm glad you guys brought that up because that's like a legitimate we talk about that. It's still kind of the stigma where you hear like mm -hmm. online school and you think either scam or like a horrible version of a regular school, or, yeah, you know, for sure. So I'm yeah, I'm glad glad you guys brought that up. Yeah. It's, it's important to talk about. I that. mean, spoiler alert. I feel like I also went to that website and then decided not to do it. But Please don't email us. Yeah. We promise we recommend you to lots of students. So <laughs> don't worry. Totally. So the structure of this whole episode is going to be, we're going to start with the pros and cons for brick and mortar schools. And then we're going to go into the pros and cons for online schools. And our last section is going to be just discussing different scenarios. And these are just based on questions we've been asked about this whole topic. So without further ado, I think Ben's going to take it away with our first pro for brick and mortar schools. 
So one thing just in general, we talk about this a lot, is that it's it's best for more of a well-rounded education. Um, this is particularly good if you're not exactly sure what you want to do yet. Like we, you know, we heard from the extreme of Joe at the beginning where he kind of knew exactly what he wanted to do or at least knew that he really wanted to be in the world of 3D animation early on. Um, a brick and mortar college, one of the advantages is they have kind of all the different disciplines under one roof. So if you're not sure if you want to be a modeler, animator, texture artist, you know, generalist, you have the ability to kind of easily, you can take a class in this and that and whatever. And you have all these professors under one roof who uh, hopefully are experts in those fields. So you can, you know, kind of get in a year, you can basically try out most, if not the whole, most of, if not the whole pipeline and kind of see what speaks to you most. So that's definitely uh, an advantage that is not to be taken for granted because it is so hard to know, especially when you're going in as in as a high school student or or wherever you are in life. Um, a lot of people just go into it as like, okay, I know I'm interested in the world of animation, but then when you try to drill down more than that, it's a little difficult without knowing much about it or having much experience in there. So I just whistled so much on experience. Let's, <laughs> let's see if we can take that out, but now nah, we'll keep it in. Keep it but, in. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I just keep saying, thank you, Katie. But um, uh, yeah, so that's a, that's a great pro for sure. Yeah. And just to talk a little bit about this, you know, I personally hugely benefited from this well-roundedness uh, when I was at New York University. Um, and in fact, I really wouldn't have gotten into animation if it weren't for that flexibility that kind of NYU provided for me. Like I remember um, when I was in a junior, I was sort of realizing that the live action curriculum wasn't really for me. I really hated being on set. Um, I had been on, you know, helping people out with their their films and projects and I just dreaded it. Um, I thought I was pretty sure I was interested in doing video editing. So I spent a lot of time editing other people's films, but I also dreaded that. I, I kind of realized that the only reason I liked editing was because it was my project or I only enjoyed it when it was my project. <laughs> um, so it just, you know, I didn't like the craft enough to, to kind of spend my time and focus my career on that. So I was sort of lost um, in because I, I had gone to school for film and I was like, why I don't like doing this. Um, and I noticed uh, they NYU offered an intro to 3D animation class that piqued my interest at the time. And I think it was a summer course. And honestly, I didn't take it too seriously. It just was kind of like, oh, this looks interesting. But that class totally set me up uh in terms of my entire career, because I, I fell in love with, with animation. And I was like, this is awesome to be able to do everything in the computer. And yeah, so I, for me personally, like this well-roundedness in school was a huge positive factor for me. And it made a big impact on the trajectory of my career. So it's definitely a point to consider in this discussion. Yeah, I would also say that brick and mortar schools, they might have sort of more... Um, specific resources to take advantage of um, in terms of like the computer labs and the equipment available. Like you can kind of hopefully trust that the school you go to is going to have um, computers that are at a level of, or they have a certain amount of memory and speed and that kind of thing so that all the programs you need will work. And there might be like 
a certain amount of built-in tech support. They might have Cintiq labs and sort of any of the equipment you might need if you're a stop-motion student. Um, like I started, they might have cameras and lighting and that kind of thing for rent. Um, and in addition to sort of physical resources, they might have those sort of less tangible resources in terms of like alumni networks um, and a school community um, and just kind of give you more opportunities to network either with your classmates or with, yeah, the alumni of your school. That's right. Like if you go to school with at NYU, you are in with Garrett Lewis. <laughs> can you put a price on that? I don't know that you can. It's worth it's, the uh, tuition. I was going to say I, that price might be 200K. <laughs> no scholarships. <laughs> Not worth it. Sorry. Um, but yeah, also, I mean, I think with the brick and mortar schools, you probably get, I think just because the schools are more established in the sense that they've been around a significantly longer period of time. Um, and, you know, granted with the larger networks and things like that, um, I think like you would have an opportunity for like, I think larger student discounts, maybe in like a broader s scale of things, um, which I think you know can go double handed. I think the current online animation schools, you know, we'll get into that later. But like I, I do think like those are up and coming. So I don't I don't know if that's quite as important, like, significant of a thing anymore. But um, certainly, I think there is something to do with like just the fact that those are more established, and so companies and such and such are kind of willing to create some more of those opportunities for students. Yeah, totally. for sure. And and I don't know, Katie, did you mention about software as well? I think you did. Like the fact that if you have like an EDU email address, you might have access to softwares. Like I think Maya is free for educational purposes. Um, and I think that applies to like most online schools as well, but I heard something. So I, I guess it just, it's more guaranteed probably if it's a brick and mortar school, maybe. Ah, n n nowadays, the the online schools are negotiating those uh, those little uh, perks with the uh, with those software companies. So you might find you might want to ask uh, the online school if you're thinking of applying to it. If you were to get those uh, those perks that you would get in brick and mortar school. Yeah, that's, true. that's a really good point. Actually, that I don't think we are planning to talk about much <laughs> but else in are. this podcast. So, gosh, this is so organic and just, it's great. Um, but yeah, that we don't talk about that a lot. But when you're deciding on a school, don't shy away from reaching out and just talking to people from these schools mm -hmm. and, and seeing, you know, what they can offer you. And it, kind of treat it that way, almost like a job trying to lure you in. Because ultimately, whether it's online or brick and mortar, you are paying to go to these things. Um, mm -hmm. so it should serve you, you know, as best as it can. So I think what Joe said right there is fantastic to actually email these schools and they're, they're usually very responsive because mm -hmm. they want students and, uh, yeah, see what they have for you. A lot of schools, like you can even honestly like Facebook message them. I don't know like what you're comfortable with, but I know animation mentor, like you could just Facebook message them and they were super responsive. So they're very accessible if you have questions. That's awesome. That's yeah. great. Yeah. The software point is a good distinction to kind of bring up just in terms of like if you go to a school like SCAD and you like go to their computer lab and you log into a computer, you have all of the software that's relevant to any animation discipline like immediately already installed on that computer and set up for like double clicking and opening. So mm -hmm. that's one thing that I'm sure could be a barrier for some people is just navigating which software do I need? How do I download it? Um, 
and how, yeah, what computer do I need to support all the software? Um, which, yeah, just taps into that question of what resources would you get with a brick and mortar? Going down the list of pros for brick and mortar colleges, another thing we had listed is the social element of uh, brick and mortar schools. And that's definitely not to be taken lightly. Um, you know, you hear about like the college experience and, you know, whether that's worth, you know, it for you to spend that money to get that experience. But what what people mean when they when they say that, I think is like, you might live with other people. You might be rooming with them. You might make, you're making friends with people who are in a similar stage of life that you are. And um, you might be living in a new city or a new place. And that's exciting. So there's definitely, it's not all about the academics um, in terms of like, if, if that's not everything that's important to you. Um, I certainly, um, I met my girlfriend, I think uh, Ben and Katie met in college as well. So it's, there's, there's that. I mean, it's like a, a time in our lives that's definitely, hopefully looked upon positively. Um, <laughs> it certainly is for me, but I, I think that's definitely a pro for sure. Yeah, I think on that point, I just want to like, cause I, obviously I went to a completely different college. I went to a four-year college for a different degree. Um, but, and like coming back on it, I actually still would do it again. Like I would still not go to an art school for four years. I would still go to MIT for the four years. Cause I just think that experience and the people I met was it just contributed everything to like the type of animator that I am today. Um, and that's something yeah. totally. I'll obviously touch on later, but I think that was, and that was really important to me. And then when I did end up like studying for animation on the online school, like I had no social life and that also like <laughs> touch on later. So <laughs> <laughs> it is that balancing degree. <laughs> I think the short way to say this is that brick and mortar schools might frankly be more fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, possibly living on campus, sharing a dorm room um, with your friends. And you it's a new environment where you're all of a sudden more independent. You're away from home for the first time, possibly. And all of a sudden, you're in this environment where you're with tons of like-minded people who are passionate about the same things as you. And it's hard to describe the college experience, but it is something that I feel like is worth doing and it can be a rite of passage, obviously depending on the school, not all schools are created equal, but if you're someone who cares about the chance to participate in extracurricular activities, whatever that might be, whether it's a basketball team or uh, an acapella group or being an anchor at the college radio station, something like that, that is something that you could only get with the brick and mortar experience. And it is something to weigh heavily. If you're someone who cares about experiencing the college party life and meeting tons of people and um, going to events that maybe only a college would have, like speakers and um, formals or something like that, that is something that you would only get at a brick and mortar school. So I think it is arguable to say that brick and mortar, like in a nutshell, it could be more fun than taking an online class at home where you're, you know, you're tuning in for class twice a week. Another aspect of this like social element that we're talking about, I think is the networking opportunities. Um, and I know this sort of bleeds into what we already talked about, but just speaking from personal experience, like, how I got my first job in New York was definitely through face-to-face -face interactions uh, with people. And it had less to do with my animation ability and more to do with just like knowing someone. Um, and, you know, 
my first job that I got was essentially because of Tatia Rosenthal, who was my uh, writing teacher at NYU. Wow. Mad props to Tatia (laughs) Rosenthal. Thank you so much for everything you did for me. Um, Tatia is a amazing animator and a stop motion director. She uh, made the uh, beautiful feature film 999 and um, she's super talented, but she got me my start at um, the artery VFX because she knew the studio head there and Totally, that's how kind of I got my start. And in addition to that, I remember when, you know, I was doing good at the Artery and they reached out to me and were like, hey, do you know anyone from either your school or anyone that could um, come and do some work for us? And I remember recommending my my buddy, uh, Brian Kim, to uh, do some work there too. So, so that just goes to show you that this environment um, of face-to-face contact and meeting people does lend itself to more networking opportunities. Transitioning to the the next point that we wrote down, um, this could be a very important thing to some people. And this is a big distinction between the two schools is that um, if you go to a brick and mortar school, you're probably, or you're definitely going to get a degree, like in the traditional sense of like a bachelor of fine arts undergraduate degree or like Ben and I, we got like a master of fine arts master's degree. Or if you go to a liberal arts college, but you're still studying animation, like a bachelor of arts degree. Um, And that can be a huge kind of important thing to a lot of people in terms of like, I graduated from college or that kind of thing. Um, So in contrast to that, the online schools, I think Anum School is the first to get accredited, is my understanding. But um, I believe the other schools, like you don't get like an official degree in the traditional sense. You might get like a certificate for passing through the course, but it's not necessarily something that like an employer would count as a college degree. So um, it is a distinction to be aware of. We can. Oh, we are going to oh, get into the details of whether that some, matters. Do we have some protestation, Joho, yeah. <laughs> over there. I mean, it it is it is very important to get a visa, and that's that's the only thing mm-hmm. that I would say the degree would be good for um, in terms of employers looking, um, at least in the art field, looking at those things, looking at the, at the resumes. It's like it's. I don't even think they click those links. I don't. I don't yeah. think they read through <laughs> any of that. All that matters yeah. is your demo reel and the, your reputation, basically, uh, whenever you apply for a for a position. But yeah, it's sure. getting a degree would only be useful if you were to try to get a visa, either getting in the U.S. or sometimes even getting out of the U.S. Um, when I finished Animation Mentor, I had uh, an offer in, from Singapore. Um, this little uh, studio called One Animation, and they had to get me a working visa. But because I only finished high school and animation mentor, uh, there was no way that the government would provide it. So when we did apply, and it was me and our little study group, a um, few people decided to apply as well. Few of us got in in terms of we got accepted, but getting the visa was. V- very difficult for a couple of us, uh, uh, I remember two of us, uh, who didn't go to school or who didn't finish uh, the art school. Uh, so 
I was fortunate enough to have uh, the, the animation director there to write a letter to the government um, sort of asking them wow. to Holy forgo God. the visa process and like uh, and and go through all that trouble to to get me in um, and I I'm always gonna appreciate that fact um, so and that was my first gig and I was like wow there is there is like a zero chance I could have gotten in if it was just you know of formality type of like government procedure right but you have to realize at the end of the day people who are asking for it or people who are trying to get you in they're all human you can you can you can try to negotiate through it's going to be super almost impossible to do that for us because they have way stricter policies but um for uh, for other countries um it might be a little bit easier than you would think um canada is a little bit easier to get into depending on which studio you're trying to go through um if the studio like imageworks they have a lot of experience with visas so it's a little bit of an easier process uh you just have to prove that you have few years that you worked as uh let's say an animator or as an artist in the field that you're trying to get into uh or to get through into the country um so it, as long as you can provide those things uh they can if the legal team is good uh, and they don't mess up your documents, which happens a lot, actually. Um, it is possible to go through that. Yeah, that actually reminds yeah. me. It seems similar to um, one benefit of having or one other benefit of having a degree is that a lot of colleges or universities require a degree if you want to teach animation. Um, so that's something to keep in mind if you ever want to be a teacher, except for I can think of a few examples of teachers that kind of got that rule waived in order to teach and they didn't um, graduate from college or certainly didn't have a master's degree, but still were able to find positions where they were able to teach in a university setting. So it's definitely something to keep in mind. But again, it's something where people might bend the rules in special cases. Yeah, I've heard yeah. things like that aren't impossible. I have another friend who ended up teaching um, for um, a university in Hawaii, actually, um, and she doesn't, she just had animation mentor, like certification wise, but they did kind of have to like wave a little bit to let her teach. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely possible. And, but kind of along with like what Joe was saying, I do like the brick and mortar schools. I think like if you are an international student in the sense of like international to the US or something like that, mm -hmm. um, it is, it could be valuable to have that just because I have a friend, uh, a few friends who are very talented, but they're kind of stuck working just in Canada because they can't, they don't have a degree. So it's much, much harder for them to get a visa mm -hmm. to come work for, you know, Disney, DreamWorks or any of the studios down here. So I think it is a bit about weighing that and how much of like working at those studios is important to you if it comes down to the schools. My advice for those people who don't have a degree and are trying to get, you know, through animation or the art field, uh, art field is very expensive. Like compared to any other discipline, it is super expensive. So if you were to find, um, and I'm not sure how the visa process works, if, if the degree has to be relevant to the field that you're uh, going through, or does it just count as, hey, you got enough points to get the visa uh, because you have a degree, right? It doesn't matter which field it's in, but I would say um, if it's a community college or some sort of like similar but cheaper version um, of getting a gen sort of like generic degree, um, I would definitely try to go in that route on the side, 
just to have something that you can then use to get the visa and for the purposes of getting visa, right? It's not like you're trying, again, it's about just saving up money um, uh, through sort of not, not paying those crazy art school prices. Very true. So one thing we kind of had written down here that I skipped over or that we skipped over was um, the on-campus recruiting opportunities that sometimes come at a brick and mortar school as well. And that's that, you know, like Joe just said, you are paying a premium for, you know, some of those brick and mortar schools, but we are talking about pros. So we're going to stick on that route for a while. (laughs) Don't worry. We've got a long list of cons (laughs) coming. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to shit all the rest of it. So one of the things, and I can speak from experience, I definitely got my first uh, full-time animation job because when I was at SCAD, um, PSYOP came and actually was was interviewing there for potential candidates and and uh, I got to talk with them and, and started a, uh, you know, kind of started a, a relationship with them, with their head recruiter and was chatting with them back and forth. And so then after I interned at Blue Sky and that turned in, did not turn into a job, the first company I called was PSYOP. And because they had already met me and, you know, had talked to me, they kind of fast tracked things and and ended up getting me a job there, which is what allowed us to move out to the West Coast and then eventually target, uh, you know, DreamWorks and then Disney and um, so it is valuable. And again, it was the only reason I would have, <laughs> A, probably ever heard about that company, and then B, met with them was because I was at SCAD and they had a relationship with them already. Uh, that being said, uh, it is competitive to be at these big schools and you might have a, you know, especially like when I remember Pixar would come to SCAD and they'd be like, okay, they're chatting with five students and you have, you know, (laughs) there was like 600 people in the animation major, you know, so it, it can be difficult, but, um, that's, it's definitely one, another pro they have. Yeah. To elaborate on that further, I mean, Ben and I, our careers kind of started with Leica and Blue Sky and we absolutely first started those relationships with those companies through on-campus recruiting interviews at SCAD, um, so it's it's definitely hard to again kind of measure the value of the access that we got there, um, but it definitely feels like it was sort of invaluable in terms of our career paths. And I think there are certain internships too that even specify that you, if you're going to go through the internship program, you have to be going back to school in the fall or that kind of thing, and that might require that you're in attendance at a brick and mortar school. Um, I know there are other cases, like I think some apprentice programs, they will count the online schools towards like, or more specifically, you might see on an apprentice program application that they require you to have recently graduated within three years or something like that. Um, But I know in some cases they will waive that rule if you were recently in an online school class. So there are definitely, again, places where they bend the rules. But I think at least for the Disney internship program, they require you to be a returning student, in which case I think you would have to be in attendance at a brick and mortar school. Well, I don't, I don't want to like disagree. I'm just curious. Oh, that's fine. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm just that's not. exactly the sort of conflict we're looking at. <laughs> well, that's just, the drama. I'm not entirely sure about that because um, only just because I, so I, my only experience is online animation schools, right? But I 
I still tried to apply for all the same internships that like, and I, that was a big hurdle for me because all of them said, mm-hmm. you need to be a returning student and you need to be like, et cetera, et cetera. And I was always really worried about that. But um, myself, and I, I never actually applied for the Disney apprenticeship program, but I did have another friend who did apply to that. And he only had um, like an online animation school background mm-hmm. and he was able to actually get in and go through the program that way. Um, cool. And I, like I've done two internship programs essentially. Like I was an intern at Sony when I started the Sony internship. They did say specifically like, oh, you need to be returning at a student, or like you need to have recently graduated. Um, but remember what I talked to you? Like it was, it was kind of like a non-issue. So I'm I'm curious like if that's something yeah. that it used to be a bigger issue, but I think now with kind of like the prevalency of like all these online schools and studios understanding that like learning is getting more difficult and online animation schools are kind of like what most of the people, a lot of the people are doing. Um, they're kind of like overlooking that a little bit more. Totally. Not, yeah, I think yeah, you're I right. Know. I don't know. I'm not trying to like fully like. Oh, no, no worries. I think it is. A- we are never airing this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Too dramatic. No, I think it is a changing landscape for sure. So it might be like very case by case mm-hmm. where certain companies are willing to bend their rules. And I think, frankly, it might depend also on whether the company is doing a paid internship. And I think a paid internship might be a little more loose in terms of whether the applicant has to be in school. Whereas an unpaid internship, usually that is for course credit, in which case it would have to be for, and like, yeah, like a traditional academic brick and mortar school. Um, So it's, yeah, it's sort of like a, Go for it and apply and maybe yeah. in the roles for I, you. I, I, like my, yeah. Honestly, my stance on that is just apply because who cares? Like, yeah, if they decide totally. that, like, you have the right requirements and they'll reject you, whatever. But, like, if you don't apply, then you'll never know. So at that point, yeah. it's like, whatever. <laughs> don't take too much, like, stock in the, like, requirements on the website. I've, like, mm-hmm. definitely learned that through talking, like, anecdotally with people. Like, oh, this this says you need to be... It says you need to have three years experience in feature film to get and like don't look at that. Yeah. Literally yeah. don't like if your reel or whatever looks good, then that's just like a formality, you know, on the site. Yeah, nobody ran data through an algorithm to come up with that. But like, okay, <laughs> yeah. it needs to be three year, years. Eleven months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, someone just randomly yeah. said, uh, I don't know, three years or so. That should be okay. But yeah. yeah. Well te- technically those those numbers are just to tell you it's like just have a good demo reel. Just don't yeah. don't have yeah. like stick figures or don't have something that's just <laughs> unprofessional or very, you know, like high school level. Although high school levels probably right now are like hireable like, level, yeah. but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just, Hey, just make sure you have a good demo reel strong enough to, to not waste our time. Basically. Like, yeah. Looks well like said. you've been in the industry for that many years, <laughs> <laughs> whether or not you yeah. have been. <laughs> yeah. Another thing we wanted to talk about was that, uh, generally in an, in a brick and mortar environment, it provides a very structured curriculum, uh, which, if you're anything like me, you know, when I was getting into animation, I was so nervous about it and I had no idea what to do or even exactly what I wanted to do. So I took a lot of comfort in the fact that I could just come into SCAD and they had this, you know, tailor-made program that was just, we're going to teach you animation. You're going to be able to specialize in any number of, of these things, but you're going to have the ability to try a lot of them out. 
And so I just took comfort in that, knowing that there was this this rigid structure laid out. Um, but there also can be some drawbacks to that too, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, yeah, so take that for what it's worth, I guess. Really good point. And speaking of pros that also have a con attached, <laughs> is uh, that's my segue. One of the pros we listed for brick and mortar schools is you can typically, uh, we found that uh, brick and mortar schools encourage making a student film. And there is a there's a con associated with this that we'll get into later, but for now we'll just focus on the positives. Um, I think for me, one of the most fun experiences I've had it, at NYU was working on a sh- short film. Um, in my experience, it was a, a collaborative short film, so I got to work with um, other students in my department. And I mean, it was so much fun, like all of us kind of exploring different disciplines and we, you know, brainstorming story ideas late at night and, you know, uh, pr- giving feedback to each other. And I remember there was one guy who was responsible for all the clouds uh, in the short. And <laughs> I was doing character animation exploration tests and uh, we had a rigger who was doing the rigging and it was just really fun. And that part of it, it was learning what we like to do in that, you know, environment, like in the pipeline. So, cause we could explore different things. So I definitely um, started to learn my strengths and weaknesses and what I was, you know, gravitating towards, which was animation. Um, so, uh, you know, I can't overstate like how much um, that was a good experience and the, the, the amount of lessons that I learned from that. And I can be honest, we never finished the film and um that was kind of the, the point in, in terms of what I learned of being like, like I definitely learned that we were too ambitious with uh, the, the the film. And I think it's a classic mistake that, um, you know, a lot of people learn. But as a result of that, you know, I was kind of encouraged to to make another film that I did finish. So, you know, one thing that I think brick and mortars provide that, that, can be very positive is the fact that you're you're making a short film and you're discovering what it means to be you know an artist and you know what your voice is and I think uh, online schools tend to focus on your reel and that's definitely what gets you a job and that's at the end of the day that's like the most practical way to yeah to get a job but I think there's something to be said about you know we're all either you know going to work in some form of narrative animation, whether it's feature film, TV, games, cinematics, whatever. And I think having the experience of going through a film is super valuable. Um, So definitely one thing to keep in mind. I mean, if you are trying to be an artist, right, or or trying to go into the film director type of field um, in animation, that that is a very good environment to be in and to be part of. even though there are online schools that are setting up the studio environment pipeline so you could get other disciplines, it's very hard to get other disciplines that are also on your level, uh, sort of. Because when you when you are in those brick-and-mortar school, uh, schools, you're all on the same sort of level of uh, the years of experience or it's a little bit easier to connect with people with other disciplines because those online schools are very... A discipline heavy in terms of specificity it could be a good and a bad thing but if you do have a team that you could just assemble and help you out um it's a little bit easier in that way 
Yeah, I think another a good point about brick and mortar schools is um, kind of the scholarship options that they have and the financial aid options that they will have. Um, obviously, I'm not too personally familiar with it, but because I did go to another four year college, I do know I went through that with a lot of scholarship and a lot of financial aid, and um, those schools are very set up to kind of help people who um, need that kind of you know aid to kind of get through the school. Um, and I, I, I know that at least from my personal experience. Um, the online animation schools do not currently have the capability to offer that to students. Um, so if that is, you know, financial concerns are a big concern, I know they are for a lot of people, I think brick and mortar schools looking into that and seeing what they might be able to offer you in terms of scholarships or any type of other financial aid to kind of help you through um, being able to pay it off in like, you know, whatever manner you can afford is definitely something to look into and, you know, seeing what those options are. So one of the last things we wanted to mention here was regarding the school name um, and how much that could matter to you. And I, I'm so glad that I'm the person talking about this when I'm sitting in a Zoom chat with somebody from Harvard and MIT. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Which I, don't I, matter in animation. <laughs> they really don't. We'll, we'll see. People are like, what? What school? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it's an interesting question, though, um, you know, but I think there certainly are some schools where, you know, if you go to a CalArts or something, I, I mm -hmm. could see that mattering a bit. Like we said before, ultimately, the biggest thing is your work, your reel, depending on what position you're going for. Um, but specifically, like I'll use Katie as an example. And Katie, feel free to jump in. But um, <laughs> <Sounds good. laughs> I, I do think having a revolutionary thought here that having Harvard on the resume was an advantage sometimes for like, especially when you're in the production world, like yeah, if nothing true. else, it was just a great talking point, right? That it was yeah. like, okay, clearly this girl is intelligent, you know? <laughs> and, and, um, it is a factor, you know, I don't know that I have super concrete, you know, I, I do think sometimes it's, overvalued or, or sometimes you can go to a really good school and in the animation world it can be undervalued you know but but it's something to take into account we would feel remiss if we didn't at least mention that you know like joe said earlier everybody you're you're dealing with in the situation of getting a job or getting a visa or something we're all human beings you know so if you have a very impressive school on your resume i think that makes it a big difference for sure. Or, or if you went to a school where yeah, like I'm thinking of Ringling where I feel like 60% of the like animation workforce is from Ringling right now. <laughs> and that has to help you, right? Like if your demo reel reviewer is also a Ringling grad and they like your stuff and they're like, Oh wow, we have this connection. Um, that's a real factor for sure. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I, like when I see that someone went to Goblin I'm just like, give them, give them a job. Yeah, don't, don't, don't even show me the reel. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. No, no. I, but yeah, sorry, Katie, I totally interrupted you. Oh, no worries. I, I was just going to say, like, I don't think it's ever going to be the thing that gets you a job on its own. Like, I wouldn't think, For like, sure. or I would never suggest that, like, oh, if you go to Ringling, you're definitely going to get a job. But it might be something that grabs someone attention or somebody's attention, or if you put it in the first line of your intro email, like, hi, I'm Katie, and I graduated from Ringling last year, blah, blah, blah. 
Like it might be something that you can kind of throw in to give yourself already some more like legitimacy or I, or just get somebody to take you more seriously kind of right away. Um, and that can be useful, but yeah, it's, it's hard to weigh any one thing that could get you a job, but it's something that certainly wouldn't hurt you and can only help. Yeah. Yeah. I think to Ben's point, I think for me personally, like having gone to MIT, um, but then like my only actual online, uh, actual animation education came from an online school. Um, MIT was honestly more of like a talking point than anything of that. It, it honestly just like was like, oh, like what happened there? Like, why aren't you an engineer? Like, that was kind of like the extent of where it went for me. Um, which was interesting because like obviously like it, it did kind of like spark their interest in terms of like, oh, this person probably had like an interesting like career twist and like I'm curious to hear more about it. Um, but personally, I just felt like it hasn't otherwise it hasn't really done much else for me. Yeah. I mean, you could. Being, yeah. You you could put in your resume. It's like, hey, I do scuba diving, right? It's going to be the same point, <laughs> yeah, but it's going to be less like, oh, expensive. Oh, you're an interesting person. <laughs> like, exactly like... what I think of when I hear Harvard and MIT. It's just like <laughs> really good. I mean, oh, no, I, I told totally you. Do you have point. scuba diving on your resume? Yeah. Yeah. Are you really no. good at scuba diving? <laughs> He's scuba diving right now. <laughs> you just threw it in there for yeah, like scuba diving. Is that? No, I'm, I'm just talking impressed? about like interesting, just interesting talking points, right? During your totally right. interview, or yeah, and it is usually during the interview, which means you already impressed them enough to with your hopefully your reel to get that interview going. Um, so unless <laughs> unless it's uh, Harvard or MIT, I don't think. For me personally, like if I see um, a student with an art school name, whatever it might be, unless it's Goblin, Goblin people are amazing. Um, <laughs> wow, it, it doesn't tell me much. We we're going to be it, advertising them so much. <laughs> Sponsor opportunity. Should ask for some kickbacks here. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. It, it doesn't really tell me much about uh, the artists themselves, right? It's. Uh, Again, the thing that will impress me is seeing the demo reel and seeing the quality of it um, and seeing the scale sometimes. Sometimes you see uh, people from um, Ringling, like those of recent one with, uh, what's his name? Um, Jeremy Schaffer's uh, The Box Assassin uh, trailer oh, yeah. that he did for his uh, short film. And it looks feature quality. It's like, this is a student in that school and they probably gonna like the school better i don't know be paying him to be there because it is such a great like advertising point for the school to be hey look at this yeah. person like you can you can be just like him if if you go join us and again animation mentor does the same thing they have student showcase demo reels uh, that promote uh, the schools and you could see the qualities um the top qualities of the entire year um, of the body of students uh, that attend there. Um, and you can compare the qualities uh, between different schools. And uh, yeah, it's we'll talk about it a little bit later, but um, the name of the school doesn't really matter. It's it's your real. It's what you put on, on your website. I feel like our podcast should just be called the demo reel is the only thing that matters. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have I have friends who didn't even go to college or any online school. They just have a great yeah. demo reel somehow. And I don't know. God bless them. They have great jobs. So 
It's awesome. Yeah, there you go. So the takeaway is if you don't get into MIT or Harvard, just take some scuba diving lessons. <laughs> you get all the same benefits. <laughs> you know. Go to Goblin if you can. <laughs> That's right. If well, you can't, just make it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Or go to NYU, for the love of God, and get in with Just know Garrett, and then you'll be in. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, I think it's a good time to transition to the cons of brick-and-mortar schools, which is the way more juicy topic. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, Garrett, do you want to take it away? Sure. Um, So, yeah, I'll start it off with the first and probably the biggest con of brick-and-mortar schools. And I won't spend too much time on it because it's very self-explanatory. Uh, The biggest con we listed here was it is far more expensive to go to a brick-and-mortar school, uh, particularly in the United States, um, than online schools. And just because we talked recently about Ringling, I looked it up, um, and obviously not this is not mean to bash or prop up any other uh, schools. I just was looking out of curiosity. And for Ringling, people in school now... Uh, for the graduating class of 2024, the total tuition you would pay is $204,000. So that is crazy high. And, um, you know, it goes without saying that depending on your financial situation, that is more or less and what scholarships you can get to like whether that's worth it for you. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's just, and that's not even atypical for other schools. I think NYU is even more than that. I think, uh, you know, SCAD might be around that range. I think a lot of these schools are like similar. So biggest con probably. Yeah, I think yeah. CalArts is like egregiously even more expensive at like 70K a year, yeah. if I remember oh, correctly. Yeah, we're going to hop in and, and do some, I think in the online section, we talk, we do a little bit of comparative analysis but yes i mean it's a life-altering amount of money you're talking about there yeah Um, for real and there's a bunch of online calculators you can go into and look if you like if you have to take out 200 grand in student loan and you're on like a 20-year repay repayment period look at what your monthly payments will be with interest and stuff it is likely your monthly payments can be over two grand you know so if you factor in if you have that much debt, so you have to pay that outside of anything, mortgage or, or rent or anything, and on top of that, you have, you're living in LA, and let's say you have a small studio that's fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars $1,500, that's $3,400 you know, $3, out of pocket, and you haven't even paid for like food or clothing or anything <laughs> like that, you know? So, Crazy. Um, yeah, we say that just because... <clears throat> It's so dangerous. It's we've talked about this in past episodes. It's so easy to take out that much money. Um, you just fill out a couple forms, click accept, 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 and <laughs> and you can be tremendously in debt for the rest of your life. Um, so you know we're kind of making light of it, but it is a very serious thing. Um, and kind of piggybacking on that, um, even if you are paying a lot of money, the quality with brick and mortar schools can vary quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And this may sound obvious, like, of course, any, any school, there, there will be some variance. But I can speak from experience with even at some of the top brick and mortar schools, you can have professors or or that maybe their last gig was in the mid 80s and you know have never used maya before and now they're teaching a maya class you know and you're paying 
$5,000 for that class or whatever, you know, if, if you're in a brick and mortar school. Um, again, I don't say that to necessarily antagonize any particular school, but it's a reality. And, and like I said, that can even be at some of the top schools that happens. We're, we know we're starting this off pretty grim, <laughs> but it's a big, life-altering, life-changing amount of money, a huge decision that right. you're making when you're like 18 years old, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is rough, you know, so really do your research and, and, uh, yeah, just know that certainly not all brick and mortar schools are created equal, especially when it comes to something as specific and esoteric as wanting to become like a 3d animator. Um, so definitely do your research. Yeah. To piggyback off of a couple pros we listed earlier, which you can easily flip into a con is um, we had talked about how schools allow you to kind of explore different disciplines and they might allow you the time and space and resources to make your own student film. Um, But in a lot of cases, this can result in the student actually being spread too thin um, and not really achieving a level of quality or mastery in any discipline enough to become hireable. So you kind of have sort of generalist um, skills, but you're not in any discipline strong enough to actually get a job. Um, And we've seen this happen like time and time again. And especially with the student film thing too, like you might be spending one or two years on the short film and that's one or two years that you could have spent like very specifically on your demo reel or portfolio or on your discipline and all of a sudden now you're years behind kind of the pack and the pool that you're competing against. Um, so we've also seen a lot of kind of school counselors pushing people towards being generalist um, because in a lot of cases, like at the top of, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this, like for the most competitive jobs, like a character animator at a feature film studio, there is, a lot of competition and it's hard to get those jobs. So I'll I'll see a lot of professors and counselors kind of push people towards being more generalist just because they're sort of trying to, um, I guess sort of set realistic expectations for some people sometimes. And they think, and they're sort of trying to tamper uh, the students' expectations because they've seen, classes of students come in and out and maybe 5% or 10% of the people actually reach the goal that they want. So I've seen people in positions of authority or like uh, leadership kind of pushing students towards being more generalist, um, kind of in the hopes that you're hedging your your bets a little bit and mm-hmm. um, making yourself like more diverse in terms of what you could get hired for. But in a lot of cases, yeah, like I was saying earlier, it just makes you worse at everything (laughs) because you're like (laughs) spreading yourself too thin. Yeah. And I think on that note, um, it it does kind of depend on you, but depending on like how quickly you determine what you want your specialty to be. And of Mm -hmm. course, like some people might not know until their last year of school, totally depends on you. But if you're the type of person who in your first year, you're like, this is it. I want to be a lighter. And you just know that. Um, you're going to end up spending the next three years, like, I don't know, like doing things that are not lighting. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be really frustrating for someone. But you're already roped into it. You might have signed up for it. And, you know, and like Ben said, you you signed on for like however much money. So I think that is something to 
definitely consider, um, you know, I don't know. I just like, if, I think if you're like really lost and you really don't know what you want to do, um, that's a favorite option. But if you have like an inkling that like you might want to specialize in something more than the other, um, yeah, I, I would definitely look, I don't know. That's something to think about, I think. And speaking of uh, specializing, um, specializing in the teachers that you want to get is very limited uh, uh, when you're in brick and mortar school. So the online classes and the online schools, there are so many of them and they're so accessible where you could just pick who you want to learn from. And uh, in brick and mortar, you're pretty much limited to what you're given. And it's, again, it's very hard to get that one person who you really like would die to learn from um you would have to swap to another brick and mortar school if they're teaching there and that might also be expensive and in another city yeah it's a great point yeah and one thing we wrote down here as a con for brick and mortars is um having a false sense of confidence after graduating which sounds harsh but i i do relate to this because you know, if you're getting straight A's in all of your classes, that means you should be able to get a job, right? Like right out of school, you should be able to get your get a job at the best studios. But, you know, we, we talk about this a lot is that your grades don't really mean anything and it's all about your reel. And, um, you know, just because you're getting A's in the history of animation class or, you know, your whatever filmmaking class does not mean anything when it comes to getting a job. Um, so... That can be avoided if you do the research and kind of listen to resources and podcasts such as this, because <laughs> then you can avoid uh, thinking that, you know, basically you can prepare yourself for sure. Um, we just wanted to bring that up because there is a tendency, I don't know if you guys have all experienced this, but there's a tendency to feel like, well, why am I not getting jobs if I did so well in my school? Like, yeah, like I won What's my student film festival. Or yeah, something. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we wanted to give a really quick specific example of that too. And I feel comfortable giving this example because this person's doing amazing now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Becky, oh, <no>. Tower. <laughs> Becky Tower is an animator at Pixar who, and I think she was like, uh, she's risen the ranks. So she's had multiple uh, supervisorial... Uh, leadership <laughs> leadership Girl, roles super <laughs> I like supervisorial is that a yeah. word I don't know if it is supervising Becky Tower who has had a number of <laughs> leadership roles at Pixar now and she's an amazing animator um, she actually went to SCAD as well and when she came she came and gave a talk when Katie and I were there and was was very honest and said she when she graduated from SCAD she was the the valedictorian out of all of SCAD. And there's like thousands of students there. She was number one. Wow. And so when she graduated after undergrad, I think she said she sent off like, it was like two or three resumes. And it was, they were to Disney and Pixar and maybe one or two other studios. And when she didn't hear back from them, she was like, what? Like, how does this make sense? How can I be number one yet not even like worthy of a callback or an interview or something. It doesn't make sense. And I think that's a very, that's just a very, uh, what's the word? It's like. Relatable. <laughs> there, you, <laughs> there you go. Relatable and important. Um, Example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
that um, that can happen. You you can be doing really really well, and, and maybe you even feel like you're you're the top of your class. Uh, but the reality is, in a lot of brick and mortar schools, it's just you're not getting the kind of education per se, or, or there's not the sort of competition that is any way reflective or reminiscent of the actual industry and and who who else is out there and competing for the same jobs. So we say that as a possible con that when you go to a school, you can kind of have this false sense of security where I'm like, okay, things are going great. I'm getting good grades. I'll definitely get a job where you really need to be looking at who is getting those jobs and comparing yourself to all the other reels out there not just, you know, other people at your school, which is something we've kind of addressed before. But I said it was going to be a quick example and I talked for (laughs) ever about it, but (laughs) no, it's great though. But yeah, I mean, on that point, I just think that like, in terms of job stuff, like there's always just going to be a number of factors that play at any given time. So you could just never guarantee anything. Like no matter what school you go to, that's just always like, yeah, I have this background. I have this education or I have like, you know, this, this, like this many mentors or professors saying I've done this well, but you, it's, it's really hard. It's, it is tough in that way. Mm-hmm. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. I kind of want to revisit the teacher question for a second. Cause Um, I just wanted to say, like, I feel like a lot of the teachers that we had at brick and mortar school were people that, again, hadn't been in the industry for a while. And Mm -hmm. we were kind of reliant on teachers coming that were sort of like fed up with the industry and they just wanted like a more stable (laughs) lifestyle for their families and their kids because, or where I'm going with this is that I feel like schools have a hard time luring away the best talent from the actual industry because people that are kind of at the top of their game, they want to stay working. They want to keep working in the industry. It's their passion. Yeah. Yeah. Like they don't really have an incentive to go teach. So I think schools are kind of beholden to teachers on their own deciding like, oh, you know what? I'm done with working in the industry. And so the result of that is that a lot of the teachers, um, I think are people, yeah, that are kind of out of date, maybe left the industry a decade ago. Um, maybe they weren't necessarily super progressing in their careers. And I, this is, this sounds like really <laughs> bad and I don't want to insult teachers there we've had, cause we've also had our share of amazing teachers. Yeah. Um, but I guess I say this as a cautionary tale to, to do what Joe's said to do and look up the teachers that are actually teaching at the school and see if they worked on projects that you're impressed by. Um, and another kind of or point to make here is that a lot of the schools do require a degree um, for teaching. And for us specifically, mm-hmm. Ben and I going through a master's program at SCAD, I know that for the master's graduate level courses, SCAD required the teachers to have a master's degree, which very, very few people in animation have, especially very few people that have found a lot of success in animation. And so I felt like we were pretty limited in the quality and type of teacher we had. And also that a lot of the teachers we had were kind of more on the artsy, fartsy, fine art side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of one thing to keep in mind when you're looking at sort of the teacher roster for these schools. 
Oh, on the artsy fartsy note, the, <laughs> the next thing. Love that word. Yeah. <laughs> the next thing I wanted to list as a con was that at a brick and mortar school, you're probably going to have to go through some kind of irrelevant, um, annoying course requirements. Um, and I hesitate to say this because maybe some people enjoy art history <laughs> and like modern art history and art analysis in general. But for me, it felt so irrelevant to study contemporary art and like very avant-garde art history um, for our degrees. And it was felt like we were studying artists that like would hate what we want to do. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was especially um, tough when we yeah. had to like, you know, it was like Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, instead of working on our demo reel now, we have to spend yeah. four hours writing this paper about this artist who did a piece based on all the people they've slept with in their life. So they did like a <laughs> Whatever performance piece in New York, you know? <laughs> oh, God. It was hard for me, too, to like calculate the cost of all of those extra classes that I frankly didn't want to take and had no interest in. Like at SCAD, each class I know had a price tag of $5,000. And we were paying $5,000 to study, yeah, art history that was felt so irrelevant to what I wanted to do. Um, and knowing that I was pulling kind of every paper out of my butt last minute. <laughs> ben, okay, can I out you? One time oh my God. Ben wrote his art history paper completely drunk at like two in the morning. I don't know. If, after we have been out all day. I don't know if this is going to stay in. <laughs> and, uh, this is, hey, did you pass? I did. You got and, an A on it. And I, hey. you, I got an A and here's the comment that the teacher said. So Katie, so we both got our papers back and Katie was, was like, beautifully well done. You laid out all the arguments wonderfully. <laughs> Great paper. And mine, the comment was, you have the elements I asked for. <laughs> <laughs> that was the entire, <laughs> that, was it. that was the feedback. <laughs> so there you go. $5,000 well spent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have the elements I asked for. Yeah. So Ben, you have the basic minimum requirements. Exactly. And that is, and that's how that's you get through life. That's what's on that's my resume right now. <laughs> I, I have the elements you're asking for. Your, your job office. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's my uh, rant on art history. <laughs> <laughs> to, to play devil's advocate. And this is what I was thinking of when Katie was talking about the artsy fartsy stuff. Like there is value certainly for some people to get, and this is kind of what Ben talked about in the pros of more well-rounded. Like some people do enjoy getting a broader education, you know, and, and learning about different things and history and, and, um, and stuff like that. But your guy, you guys are totally correct that it doesn't help in getting an animation job. I do think that, you know, inspiration and it comes from, a variety of different sources. And I think there is a lot of value in just being a well-rounded individual and being in the animation world because animation, you know, that umbrella, I just did air quotes there for the people listening. <laughs> um, we all saw. <laughs> encompasses anything, right? That's what we talk about that we like about it too. You can learn about, you know, animal anatomy or, or 
you know, different mechanical things or anything. So certainly we're not suggesting narrow your focus so much that you have no interest out of, you know, clicking within Maya. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> with anything, it's it's a yeah. balance. So there are clearly a fair number of pros, but also quite a few cons and drawbacks associated with going to a brick and mortar school. So anyone considering doing so should really take a moment to to weigh these, you know, before doing that. Like we said, it's it's very, very easy to go down the rabbit hole very quickly. So definitely take a beat to really consider everything. Um, and with that, we will now transition to talking about online animation schools, uh, something our two special guests, yeah. <laughs> except not kidding, <laughs> guests are very familiar with. I think it's fair to say that there's a good amount of stigma kind of surrounding online animation schools. And we, we all kind of touched upon it a little bit earlier when we were discussing the first time we visited the websites for some of these schools. <laughs> and they maybe seemed a little sketchy or like a scam or something like that. Um, especially if you're someone who's coming from a background where you went to brick and mortar schools or something like that. Um, so now we're going to transition to kind of addressing the question of can you get a good animation education via an online school um, and discussing the pros and cons of that. If you if you couldn't tell already, I think we it's kind of obvious that there's a resounding yes to this question, but there are certainly (laughs) there are certainly pros and cons to discuss. Yeah, and just starting off with the probably the biggest pro of online animation schools that we have here is that it is cheaper, far cheaper than uh, brick and mortar schools. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we just talked about how Ringling was what, like $200,000 for four years. We're going to get into the prices of some online animation schools, but th- the major point we wanted to cover is that it is dramatically, dramatically cheaper to go to an online animation school. One of the things we also wanted to bring up is that like when you go to a brick and mortar school, you're typically, you know, paying for room and board, which means you're paying for, um, you know, getting an apartment or a dorm. Um, but when you're obviously going to an online animation school, you might be living at home. And one thing we wanted to ask um, both Laura and Joe, like what was your guys' uh, living scenario when you were doing these classes? Were you at home? Were you like how, what was the situation like? So for me, I made, um, so kind of like how I had mentioned before when I was doing the whole career switch, I, I, I did kind of debate the idea of should I go do this, pursue this full time or should I try to do where I'm still working a job in business so I can have money and then like just do this as a side gig. Um, but honestly, like for me, I thought like, okay, I'm 27 and I felt that time it was very late for me. So I was like, okay, I have to like go all in. Like this is, this is my one shot. I have to like, like do this. So I decided to pursue it full time. Um, and with that, I was fortunate enough that I was in New York. So I was at, I was able to live with my parents. Um, so I was able to save like a ton of money, not having to pay rent. Um, fully aware of that. And I know that we've mentioned that online schools are significantly cheaper than breaking word schools and they are, but to somebody that suddenly has no income, it's still like quite a steep price. So I was like, I'm just like, like, I, I was fortunate enough that my parents were willing to support me through this and they were willing to like help me pay for these classes. But I do know that's not an option for a lot of people. So, um, it's, it still is like very scary and hard to kind of go through this. Um, 
But that's kind of like where I was. So I was, I was at home and I committed to a year and a half where, and that's about the length that it takes to go through class one through class six of animation mentor. Mm. Um, and I'd committed like a year and a half where I'm just going to be really poor. I'm going to save as much money as I can. Like just hope my parents don't kick me out anytime soon and are okay <laughs> with like what I'm doing. And I don't know. That's kind of like how I went through it. But, um, yeah, it, it, it can be tough. Yeah, for me, it was a little bit easier on on the side of I just finished high school, so I don't have to worry about being kicked out just yet. Uh, <laughs> but also, I, I presented an argument because we were living in Brooklyn, New York uh, at a time. And I was like, hey, the school of, uh, wait, was it SVA? Yeah, SVA. Yeah. Uh, so SVA is, is right there in Manhattan. And, uh, you know, it's just a short uh, train ride away. Um, and a lot of people get a lot of really good job so my parents of course the first thing they ask is how much is it so i showed them them the number and i, I don't know is it more expensive than harvard because that's that's the impression that i've got it's like why are we paying the same prices that we could pay for these top schools for you to be like an mit engineer and or like a harvard graduate um but you also just want to live on this uh, sort of like artist, starving artist salary. And it was a very tough sort of to convince them because uh, I actually wanted to go there because I've seen a couple of uh, student short films that came out of there that I really liked. And uh, I was like, hey, you know what, guys, I'll just take out a loan. You just have to co-sign it and, uh, you know, I'll pay it back eventually. And that was a big no-no for my family because they definitely don't like loans um, or like mm -hmm. owing money to anybody. Uh, so they were very much against it. So that's when I started looking for, for different schools uh, online uh, or the cheaper options. And that's when I came across this uh, scammy looking website um, <laughs> at a time. And now, it, and now it is way more professional uh, and nicer looking thing but um yeah at a time it was okay so you have either this option or you can pay the fraction of a price um and i could just go there and stay still stay at home and um yeah living at home not paying rent and not paying for food that saves a lot of money and again uh during am you can you can also pick up uh side gigs here and there um uh, i was counting cars that was one of the things that i uh, my uncle um, uh, showed me uh, where to get a gig where you just sit on the corner and count or either people or cars. So that was a fine, Dude, interesting little... I yeah, thought you were them. saying you would count cards. Like in <laughs> That's what I thought. Oh. I was like, are you doing some, like, cool. are we allowed to talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think gambling is not that uh yeah uh, no it's just regular cars <laughs> and people and bikes and whatnot uh strollers yeah that, that, that was fun just sitting listening to an audiobook and just counting and then going back home and, and you get and paid for this this is a job <laughs> there there and are does this few... normally <laughs> yeah i've been yeah, doing I... this for free for years <laughs> every weekend i'm just <laughs> I have notebooks and notebooks filled with the daily. Yeah. There, there are uh, survey companies that do that uh, right before construction, oh, and usually yeah. in Manhattan area or like New York area, there is a lot of constructions happening. So okay, that makes you, you could find these weird gigs that would only, uh, I don't know, take a day or two out of the week, 
um, and the other five days you could just be working on your assignments. I will say I was always incredibly impressed with people I met that were working any job. It could be a full-time job, a half-time job, a side gig, whatever you were doing. If you were doing anything that didn't allow you to devote 100% of your time to just like on the, like an online animation school, I just like could I didn't know how they did it because for me, I just felt like if I didn't I I just felt like I needed every hour of the day. So that that was like a like maybe it's just a me thing and um, how I felt about it. And like, I understand that some people needed to do it. They just, they didn't have the affordability to not have a side gig or to not oh, do a full-time job. And I totally that. hundred percent agree with that. I would definitely recommend don't do any, like just say goodbye to everything yeah. to your f- friends and family as well. Oh, I had just, no just, friends. Just, <laughs> <laughs> that definitely increases your chances of devoting your time because the the thing about online schools is you'll get out of it as much as you put into it. So um, it, it, it's true with any school, but online school specifically. Uh, and I would, yeah, I would encourage people to to dedicate the every minute that they've got free um, uh, and you, yeah. to maybe a drop yeah. a job if they can afford it. Yeah, literally, if you can afford it, treat it like it's your full-time job, not or more than that. Like, treat it like it's like, you know, like, I don't know, you are putting, it is, it's cheaper than a brick-and-mortar school, but you are still investing quite a significant amount of money into it, and you Definitely. don't want that to go for nothing. You don't want to have to repeat a class. That's kind of like, almost like the worst thing oh, you yeah. want to do, and mm-hmm. we can obviously go into that later, but, you know, it's, it's, you want to, you want to do the best you can. There are rare cases of people who did work and you know, toiled on the side with the online classes and... Oh, they're amazing. I don't know. Yeah. How, like, those people, I, like, <laughs> bowed down to them in school. I'm like, yeah, Christ. I'm thinking of my friend, uh, Madison Healy, who went through the apprentice program with me, and she mm-hmm. was working as a receptionist for Illumination and worked in an art gallery um, for several years while she took online classes on the side. And fortunately, yeah, it worked out long term, but she definitely had to, you know, work a full-time job and... Uh, work on her reel and all of her online assignments on the side. It's absolutely doable. It's just hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard sure. and it takes longer. Obviously, we've already talked extensively about the price difference, but I just wanted to give a few more specific examples because it is so significant. And again, I feel like I'm you know beating the same drum here, but it, this is a life-altering amount of money. It will influence how quickly you can buy a house, buy a new car, buy, you know, get married maybe or something. Yeah. <laughs> or or even, food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whether you can yeah. even make the move to California yes, or somewhere totally. else like Canada or yeah. Yeah. So let's take uh, animation mentor. And so, you know, I'm going to give these ranges that they currently have listed on their websites, but please do your own research, especially if you're listening to this. 30 years from now. In the future. Hello from the past. Uh, <laughs> but the, they'll probably change their prices a little bit in 30 years. But you know what I mean. Do your research. But uh, so Animation Mentor, it's roughly around $15,000 for the whole program, which consists of six classes, as these guys said. For Anim School, it's just under $12,000 for the whole program if you do their, if you have zero experience before and you have to do their super introductory class, uh, which is some people can opt out of if you have a little bit of experience and then it'll be a little cheaper even. And and just to stop you there, you just said $15,000 for the whole program under $12,000 for the whole program. That's in comparison to, we just talked about Ringling being $200,000 for the whole program. Yeah. So it's like 
I mean, it's like, not even a <laughs> fraction of the whole price of that. Yeah, it's insane. And you can take like I don't know, fifteen years of animation mentor. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you go. You Remarkable. Can make it comparable. <laughs> so actually, yeah. if you do fail a class and have to retake it, take comfort in that fact. That yeah, you fail and retake that class ten times, and you're still like not even close to what you'd be paying <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah. But um, so yeah, so there was those two. I animate is very similar to Anim School. It's just under twelve thousand dollars for about seven courses. Anim Squad it seems a little more kind of like a grab bre- grab bag approach where they have these different programs, but it's not necessarily the same structure as some others. But um, there's kind of you know beginner, intermediate, advanced. But there's four courses, and all of those range between thirteen and sixteen hundred dollars per course. So if you took all of them, it'd be under about $7,000. Uh, now let's compare that again to the brick and mortar schools. Now this is for SCAD, they're about $57,000 per year. So for all four years, that's over $200,000. Ringling, $67,000 per year. So you're getting close to, you know, a quarter of a million dollars there. And CalArts is an estimated $71,000 per year. So four years, you're flirting with $300,000 there by the end of it. So yes, like Garrett said, it's ridiculous to even compare (laughs) because it's totally apples to oranges. That difference is huge. And, and so we, we just keep saying that because it's, I, I know you can just, it's so easy to say in a sentence, you know, I don't know, maybe online, maybe brick and mortar, but this is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You're talking about, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll spend $15,000. Maybe I'll spend close to 300000 for my education. And it's um, even bigger because yeah. of interest. So yeah, like, that's, that's an amount that point. will grow over yeah. time, depending if you have student on how loans. fast you can pay it off. Absolutely. I mean, to put like, a story to it, Ben. I don't know if you're comfortable with us oh kind of God. discussing our personal no, it's story. Cool. Yeah, but we've talked about it before. I mean, we graduated from SCAD with our masters a few years ago, and we have tens of thousands in student loan debt. I don't know. Yeah. Are you comfortable saying? Yeah, like, yeah, no. Yeah. Let's, let's just say it. So we we graduated with just under eighty thousand dollars of student loan debt just from SCAD, and I had like a big scholarship to go there. Like we just said, we, yeah, I you know, have a scholarship it, too. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, $57,000 per year. And I still came out with, got the big scholarship and then, but still had 80 by the end of it. And we've paid almost all of it almost back all. now, <laughs> but it's so hard now looking at that lump sum of money and being mm-hmm. like, I have paid back a down payment on a house. Like we, yeah. we could be looking at houses right now mm-hmm. if, you know, if we didn't have that. And again, it's, it's hard because ultimately I, <laughs> I met my wife there, so I, <laughs> so I can't complain about it too much. And I'm worth $80,000. <laughs> at least. Yeah. And, um, but, uh, and you know, like we said, ultimately I was, we said this in a past episode before I was in graphic design. So my earning potential increased quite a bit. Um, but, um, yeah, it's huge. It's, it's, I, it's very encouraging and uh, empowering to be almost done paying it back. But then also you look at that lump sum 
I'm like, Katie, both of us could be driving a Tesla right now for what we have paid back instead of We could have invested that eighty in grand Tesla. in Tesla. And we could be Tesla. driving oh seven God. Teslas. <laughs> yeah. We, so, yeah. We, we wouldn't even need to work. No, I'm sorry, and, Joe. And, and that's including yeah, go ahead. And that's including those scholarships, right? That, that's yes. that's yeah. insane. It, it it does come back to this sort of like a scammy way of, hey, look at this great deal that you're getting. Uh, with this, with the scholarship for brick and mortar, yet it's still—I I don't know—it's still so much money, even yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah, and we've talked like in the past about in depth about money on this podcast and about the earning potential of going into animation. Um, and yeah, it could be anything from 20k to 120k, depending on yeah. <laughs> like what level. But you have to think very seriously about that amount of money and how quickly you can pay it off. Um, it's huge. It's not something to skip over. Yeah, for sure. The other quick thing I want to mention is the amount of time it takes you to get a job. Um, uh, if if you were to compare that uh, with with a person who went to brick and mortar like four year school uh, to one and a half years, if you were if both of you were to put in all the effort that you can into your demo reel and get a job at the end of the day, three years of experience will count in your favor. Mm-hmm. Because by the time that person finishes the four-year school, the moment they enter the industry, they're probably going to enter at the minimum. And to climb that ladder up, it's going to take them a long time. And by again, it's by comparison with oh, can with somebody who can enter in uh, fairly early, um, um, it it definitely saves up money in the long in the long run. Definitely, that's a very good point, mm-hmm. and I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about that too. Because a lot of times, when deciding on a profession, you'll see like the salary ranges um, for, and we talked about it in the past episode, and you can see like the upper range of a 3D animator and think, oh, nice, you know, I I can be. $50,000 in debt. And, you know, if I'm making the uppermost amount, I'll have it paid off very quickly and it'll be okay. Or just in a couple of years, depending on how I live or whatever. But the reality is, like Joe said, when you come in, you're going to be at the very bottom of that totem pole. And you might be making, like we said, to give real world examples again, if you're $100,000 in debt and your student loans alone are $1,500, $2,000 a month, your rent is another $1,000, and you're making $45,000, you basically, I don't even know if the math works out. You might not be able to survive <laughs> on that, you know? Or or your or your budget for food then is like $200 a month, which is nothing. Um, so, yeah, it's serious stuff to really consider. Mm-hmm. We talked a bit about um, the availability of scholarships for brick and mortar, and I think we didn't, launch specifically into this but one like like short-term pro but long-term con uh, for a brick and mortar is that you would be eligible for financial aid like federal financial aid um, which you might not be eligible to take a financial aid loan um, for online schools I think um, it's possible that now that Adam school is accredited that you might be able to apply for a federal loan, but I'm not super familiar with how that works. Mm-hmm. So that's something to keep in mind, but I do want to take a moment to acknowledge that Animation Mentor does have some specific scholarships available. 
Um, and I think Adam School also has discounts for lower income applicants. I think they are few and far between, or like they're sort of um, are these on an application basis. This is all based off of very ordinary research. I'm, yeah, no, I'm <laughs> like when I was going there, I didn't think they had anything. I didn't think anyone yeah. had anything. So I'm just curious if it's like a recent um, addition to their programs. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole Anim School accepting financial aid is very new, like within yeah. the past like couple of years. And then with Animation Mentor, we're not sure. Again, please do your research, yeah. <laughs> listener, because yeah, came we just across little Googled here and, and there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so there might be some cases where there might be some financial aid packages or payment plans available. Um, so we do want to acknowledge that. Yeah. And also I just want to add, like, I think part of the reason that really convinced me, um, to do it on, like, to do animation mentor specifically for me was, um, when I talked to a few other people, um, it seemed that like animation mentors main goal was to get you a job in the industry mm-hmm. in animation. Um, when you graduated and brick and mortar schools, I didn't, that wasn't necessarily the impression I got. It was more just give you a general understanding of like all these different art, like facets that there are, that they exist. Yeah. And, um, you know, and especially if you know, going into this, like you, I want to be an animator. I want to be like a 3d character animator at like a TV studio or a feature film studio. And you know, that going in, um, that, that laser focus specialty, like that's what, that's what these online animation schools specialize in. Like mm-hmm. people who know that that's what they want to do. Um, and obviously like, you know, they welcome other people who are just exploring still as well. But if you know that for a fact, that's what you want to do. Like this is like the perfect place for you because they will just hone in on those skills for you in a way that will get you a job when you finish the last class. And I think if that's your goal, um, that's, I don't know, it kind of almost, it's like a no-brainer to kind of like go in this direction just because it, it's the fastest track to get you there. Yeah, And the teachers there are usually up to date uh, with the industry because they're the ones who would work the, 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 the day job and then they would come home and then they would teach uh, the classes. So mm-hmm. it's very hard to establish that in brick and mortar um, sort of scenario. That was my favorite thing, actually. Like the coolest thing for me was the fact that like, I don't know. It was like they're superheroes. Like they do their day job and they come home and they're like, you know, they, they, they talk to us about what they did during the day. And I'm like, well, I'm like, especially when you're a student and you have no sense of like how stuff in the industry works. And then you listen to them talk about it. You're like, wow. Oh my God. Like that's what you do during the day. And I don't know. It's, it's very inspiring. I think as a student. For sure. And you're getting one-on-one time with them. Whereas I remember at SCAD when like, like Ben Willis came from DreamWorks, you know, to, to give a talk. And it was like flooded. There was like 400 people, you know, pushing to get into this building to hear him talk. And it was, you know, like mm-hmm. if he even glanced over in your direction, you're like, oh, man. <laughs> oh my God, like, oh my God, tuition is worth it, man. But, um, <laughs> ben, if you're hearing this, we love you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so much. <laughs> but um, yeah, but then you, you take this, class and you're sitting there in a zoom session one-on-one with these people, you know? So it's, yeah, it's pretty hard to compete with that for sure. And the quality definitely differs from mentor to mentor and their personality, of course, because they're all human beings. Um, Mm -hmm. And the one thing that's kind of nice about online courses versus the brick and mortar courses is that if you do get a mentor who is 
comparatively not as good as other mentors that you've had, you can bring it up to school and say, hey, this is something that is concerning because I'm paying for this class and I feel like I'm not getting out of this class as, uh, as what I was hoping um, I would. So we did run into, our group did run into an issue where one of our mentors that I'll never mention um, anywhere, uh, their name, uh, they did have to be removed eventually um, from the school because they got a lot of negative reviews. Um, and it was quite an interesting experience because I remember some of those classes where we would just sit and listen to the mentor and... Uh, <laughs> our study group would just start playing Battlefield or something um, on the side and just, just you know, just having fun while listening to something that's either is well known and just or irrelevant to the class. So you do get a varied experience, but unlike brick and mortar, where it's much harder to remove a professor, um, it's a little bit more easier to make sure that the quality um, that you're paying for um, is is pretty high comparatively. Mm -hmm. Very and, good, really good point. And I think to that point, like I would just talk to students. Like the best, the way I found, like I kind of was like navigated because I didn't know who a lot of these people were, the animators were, the mentors were, especially because I was new to the industry. So I would just talk to a lot of the students, be like, "Hey, who do you recommend? You just took this class. Did you like your mentor? How did you feel about their mm -hmm. teaching style?" That's honestly, I think, the best way you can kind of gauge, like, who and what teaching style might be the best for you. Um, like, I feel very fortunate. Like, I had I had some, like, really amazing mentors who went way above and beyond anything, like, any of these schools would have asked. Like, um, I don't want to name names just because I don't want people going thinking, like, oh, that mentor is going to do this for me also because they did it for Laura. But, like, I have a mentor who um, they were just, like, so, like, so great. Like, they, like, one of my shots that they wanted me to work on um, for the class, they just have, like, their own storyboard idea for it, so, like, they took their own, like, own time, like, storyboard and idea, and, like, sent it to me, like, on the side, and I'm not saying all mentors will do this, but I'm saying, like, there are some, like, really amazing ones who will go way above and beyond what, what like, their job actually entails, and I think it, just, just because there is a bit of a disparity, just talking to the students really kind of gives you an idea for, um, I don't know, the ones who... I, I, don't know, I, I, hate, I hate saying this because I feel like it's throwing mentors under the bus. And I don't mean to say that. I feel like all the mentors that are mentoring are great. And they're, like, doing above and beyond just by doing a mentor, like, just by mentoring. But yeah. um, there is a bit of a disparity between just, like, the teaching styles, I think. I, I, I do agree. Is just making sure that you don't just ask one student who was probably not the best in the class and who had struggled through the class, and then they would give you a way different answer than yeah. the student who aced it yeah. uh, from the same mentor. So make sure to get different opinions uh, and uh, viewpoints uh, when you do ask those questions. And don't judge the mentor by their demo reel. Uh, because, again, a reel doesn't equal to being able to teach properly. Uh, some of the best mentors that I've had didn't have uh, like a kick-ass demo reels that were up-to-date. They might have been a few years old um, and might not have had like the A shots, but they were so good at breaking down and explaining the essence of what you're seeing on the screen that um, I value very much because that is something that makes sense to me when I'm learning a subject. Uh, the more granularly it 
is broken down, the more digestible it is for me to learn and replicate. Um, so it really is about finding a teacher with the teaching style that speaks to you personally. And on that demo reel note, I'm oh, sorry, I just want to say, like my best mentors didn't even have a reel anywhere. I didn't see any of their work going into their class, and they, but they were the best like mentors I've had. So that is so valuable. The fact that you know you're literally learning from people who are working in the industry, um, and that can't be overstated because it's just such a valuable thing that these online schools provide. Going along with that, another pro we had listed for online schools is the online community aspect to these schools, and we talked about with brick and mortar. There's like networking, you can like meet people and stuff. But I think these online schools have sort of like tapped into providing a little bit of a better resource when it comes to like online stuff. Like I, I took a class at Anim School and I know there's like a Facebook group with Anim School and it's pretty active and you can like post your work and you can get feedback from from students and stuff, which I think is really cool. And maybe Joe and Laura can speak to this more um, because they were in these schools for longer, but I think it's that's great because it also helps because um you know we talk about how like when you're in a brick and mortar school you're it's like a big fish small pond scenario where you think you're the best and then you realize oh no I'm competing with everyone in the world but if you're online it sort of helps you process the fact that like you're in this environment with everyone in the world and when you look at other people and compare yourselves to them um I wouldn't necessarily encourage you to do that too much it's good to have that as you know sort of like oh this is the goal that i'm trying to reach but do realize that some of the people in your class might be someone who's been in the industry for a few years now all right they finished school they maybe went to a different animation school they may have worked at a couple of studios and then they decided to take another class so don't feel too bad by not being able to catch up with them uh, just because of that, because that that's something that you don't see at brick and mortar schools where people would go to to back to those types of schools uh, uh, when they've already been in the industry. And one of the things about the online community, I would say, is make sure to either join or if you can't join a study group, make one. Invite people to it. Invite people that you look up to in your class. Uh, uh, I was very fortunate to be asked to join one of the groups um, at AM, and that study group was insanely good, I would say. it's a, And also honest. That's another thing. It's like hang out with people who are um, constructive, who can give you feedback as well as well, also have fun, right? So <laughs> that study group was used to play video games, Uh a lot of times, most of the time, uh, but a good chunk of that time was also having those dedicated Discord-like um, rooms where you could just join in and sit there and, uh, I don't know, if you had any technical questions, you, you, you could just pop in in one of those and ask those questions and uh, find answers, hopefully. But yeah, it was an amazing... Um, that made the whole experience of the online learning process where you're isolated from physical contact so much better by just having those study groups that you can rely on and be part of and also keep touch keep keep in touch with those people like that's that's another part that a lot of a lot of people from that study group 
I ended up working with uh, either right away, right out of school, or uh, later down the careers uh, of just hopping from studio to studio, I did end up working with a lot of those people that I've met uh, in the study group. Uh, so, yeah, it's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, and I know my class is at Animation Mentor as well. Um, we made a lot of, like, just, like, not, like, school required at all, just, like, individual, like, I don't know, like, Google Hangouts or, like, Facebook messaging. We had our own, like, each class, we had our own, like, Facebook messaging group, um, which was really helpful. I know, like, we would send out links to our own shots, and we would just, I don't know, just, like, if anyone had time, just take a peek at it and stuff like that. And I know these schools, they really encourage... Um, just not being afraid to show your work and just like showing them to anyone and everyone and just losing that, like overcoming that barrier as quickly as possible. Um, and so, yeah, I was fortunate enough that like, I think like I wasn't really so sure about it, especially cause I was like, okay, like, how do you do this? Like I'm new to all this, but um, I know that my classmates, they were just, I don't know. They're very open about it. And I think um, also like crafting those relationships early on. I mean, some of my closest friends in animation right now, like I'm actually still part of a group um, with uh, these girls that I went to animation mentor with, and we call ourselves the Spice Girls. It's stupid. <laughs> Put that out, but <laughs> like, nope. like we are still, <laughs> we are still like in this chat group, and like they're like they've been there from like the beginning, like day one of like animation, like through now. And this chat group on Facebook has gone through like everything, <laughs> like everything. And like I think like you can form a lot of really important relationships with people that you meet um, in these schools, which is crazy because it's all online. And you think that you might not be able to foster a strong relationship with someone that you don't meet in person. Um, but you really can. And it's, I don't know, I think um, I think that's just something really cool that you can do with this. So one of the other points we wanted to talk about is that obviously with the online schools, you can access them internationally. Um, I know just from the one class I took in Adam school, I think I had like, or gosh, it was only like 30% of the class was actually living in the U.S. and then everybody else was outside the U.S. Um, and we say it's that's really another huge money saver, you know, it's so much more convenient. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to elaborate, but that kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can access them anywhere, and there's definitely no, uh, you know, lesser quality because you're in a different country. It's all online and available for you. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty nuts that like you could have a teacher like you guys were saying that's working in the industry in Burbank, California, and they're teaching you and you're in a totally different country. Like that's pretty unreal opportunity. And we're lucky to live in this day and age. Um, another point I wanted to make about the online schools logistically, and this is very specific to character animation, um, is that a lot of the rigs that you would get access to in an online school are very high quality and uh, oftentimes more appealing than the rigs that you might have access to at a brick and mortar, which are very often rigs that are student made. Um, and they're well-intentioned, but <laughs> probably just don't have all the bells and whistles that um, the online school rigs have. And this comes from the fact that there's, they probably put months of work into these rigs and they're constantly updating them and they're using feature film artists to make them. Um, so it, it's, it's pretty important. I mean, we've talked about this on demo reels before. You're not necessarily going to lose an opportunity because of an ugly rig, but you are a little bit kind of beholden to recruiters and animators gut reactions to your work. And they might only give your real 
two to three minutes of their time. So you want to make the best impression as quickly as possible. And an ugly rig, it might, it probably, or it could hurt you. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys remember Norman or Moom? <laughs> Norman, Moom, and then there's one like 13. I remember Norman. Oh, yes. 13 is the, like the little boy slash kind of. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, sure. there's a girl boy. Yeah, I just remember yeah. messing with these rigs earlier. But sorry, yeah. I totally interrupted Laura. I can say very specifically, but um, I know like I have actually heard personally from like people who have been involved in like the recruiting process and like they've been in real reviews and they have just been like very turned off by just like the appeal of a rig and it mm-hmm. just turns them off from the performance and they just don't want to look at the scene, um, which seems like honestly like you. I think in general, like they just want to be looking at the animation but i think it is human nature to kind of like you know you want to look at things that are nice to look at and i think that is kind of like an unfortunate truth but it's good to kind of like be aware of it you know you just want to you want to be as appealing to whoever you show your reel to basically Mm -hmm. that's exactly right that's why we brought uh garrett into the podcast (laughs) you want nice things to look at and you want to be (laughs) because everyone's staring at my face while they're listening to the podcast lauren if you don't know garrett and ben have a tendency to just like hit on each other (laughs) and it's it's because katie is by default the most attractive one so garrett and i just have to build each other up as much as possible (laughs) no part of the great thing is also um Depending on, and this kind of touches on my point about, um, you know, if you are doing an online animation school in conjunction with a side job or anything else you have going on in your life, if you have a family or, you know, um, you, there's a lot more flexibility. Uh, I know with Animation Mentor specifically, and I think it's along similar to a lot of the other school, online schools as well, but you can actually choose like what time the class, like what time class works better for you. So, um, I know there are mentors that, like, they do evenings um, on Pacific time, or there'll be some mentors that actually work on the East Coast, so they can work on the East Coast time, or, you know, there is a lot of, like, schedule flexibility that you can kind of work into what works best for you, and, um, you know, I was fortunate enough that, you know, I was single, and I don't have kids or anything to worry about, so I can kind of just do whatever and, like, not worry about when I'm <laughs> sleeping or whatever, but um, for anyone else that, like, that is a big concern, um, I think that is a huge pro to consider that you can, there's a lot more flexibility, I think, that is offered. And, um, and plus also the mentors, because they're, they're real people. Um, if you have a big conflict, you could just, cause you're able to talk to them all the time. You could just talk to them and be like, Hey, like, I can't make this class, but I really want, you know, you to be my mentor and stuff like that. I think that is like a real opportunity that exists just because they're a lot more, um, I don't know, they're a much closer to you. Like when you're paying for the online school, like, they're paid to help you. So like if, if they're, if that is an option. I don't know if that's okay. I don't know if like you should be like badgering a mentor to like in that way. <laughs> I don't mean, I don't mean it like that. I just, I mean it in that, like, I think it's just like, there is more openness and to like, you know, if there's a huge conflict, but you really want mm-hmm. mentorship from them. There's at least a conversation that you can have with them. Oh, and the other thing about the flexibility, I, I had a big gap between Rio 2 and Angry Birds. So I did pick up another online course in another school, uh, which was Anim Squad. Um, and that was just to, um, I don't know, add more stuff to my demo reel to make it a little bit more appealing or a little bit more specific in terms of I, I needed a couple of acting shots on there. Uh, because I had a lot of pantomime from my previous uh, job at One Animation, 
and I needed just that extra extra stuff that I wanted to learn as well and wanted to be able to polish stuff. And it's just a great thing that you could just hop on, learn from one of the top animators uh, in those schools and uh, get the result that you're looking for, exactly what you're looking for. Instead of creating this whole de demo reel or going through this entire course program at Brick and Mortar, you could specifically ask the mentors, like, hey, can I please focus on this one thing that I think I'm pretty bad at and just focus on one specific, like, yeah, lip sync um, and like, let's, let's work on lip sync. Uh, but also do your research, make sure that the, the mentor is comfortable with teaching that specific subject because some mentors are really good at, let's say, cartoony animation, or some people are very good at acting or very good at body mechanics. So, um, and they're able to teach those, those specific things on such a high level that you wouldn't find, um, it anywhere else so um like i said it's it's really really nice thing to have that flexibility um yeah that's a and again it's adding all of those things up will make a better reel for you um whether you're stretch is starting from scratch um or you're trying to supplement your existing demo reel yeah for sure and the last pro we had for online animation schools is better placement rates. Um, and I guess, I don't know if we have actual hard data that supports this, but I just... Right. Just I, trust I, us. Just trust us? No. <laughs> I, yeah, I I feel like the I would be willing to guess, and maybe you guys can help me out here, that the percentage of people who graduate with a job, like with an animation job out of an online school is probably higher um, than a brick and mortar school. I mean, again, no hard data to support that. It, but it's a little what bit do you guys skewed think? Joe has because <laughs> it's a little bit skewed because uh, in my specific class at Animation Mentor, quite a lot of people actually finished brick and mortar schools or quit halfway through, realizing that they weren't teaching the thing that they wanted to learn, which was animation. So technically, you do get a lot of people who already finished those schools and joining right. your class on top so yeah that makes it hard to decipher i guess like yeah how you count it you know yeah the placement rate i mean another way of looking at this and sort of the question of like whether you should do any online education is that i like i think everyone i can think of except for a very rare few have taken online classes like, I would hazard a guess that maybe, like, three people in the animation department, like, didn't take online classes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, like, would, do point. you guys feel similarly? I feel like I can count on one hand the number of people I know in feature animation mm -hmm. that didn't take online classes. I would say especially uh, recently. Yeah, like, that's yeah, important. Yeah, I would say with the younger the yeah. industry, crowd. Uh, not Definitely sure. not the older crowd. <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. a good distinction. <laughs> I feel like people... But yeah. it's a very good point. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, it's like with the batch of animators being hired now or like within the last five years, I would totally agree that like yeah. I would say like 99% of them have done some sort of online anime uh, education at some point. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I wonder if it's skewed at all just because I think that by sheer numbers, there are many more students that enroll in a brick-and-mortar school just because their class sizes just accept that many more students. So I think yeah. if you're going like just statistics, um, like Animation Mentor as a whole probably just has a much smaller percentage of total students than in like one grade level than um, a brick-and-mortar school might. So I think if you're going by those percentages and like, I don't know, like 10 people from Animation Mentor get hired into like Disney or something like that, but then 10 people from brick and mortar school get hired statistically, it's going to seem, you know, a bit skewed. So I think it's, it is a little hard to gauge, I think, but I think also the fact that the brick, the online animation schools are smaller in that sense that there's, there are fewer people. Um, I don't know. For some reason it makes it, it makes it almost, I don't want to say it's easier, but you can kind of almost see what your competition's like. I, don't, I, hate, I hesitate yeah. to say competition because, like, I don't want, like, people at school <laughs> being, like, everyone's my enemy. You know, like, you're working together. You're all, you all want to get jobs out of when you graduate. Mm-hmm. But it is, um, I don't know, I just feel like I could always see kind of like, oh, man, like, that, they did that. that. That's so cool. Like, I want to do that. And, like, it was, it was more like kind of mm-hmm. like that level of, like, kind of upping each other in a sense. But mm-hmm. That's a good point. I know we had not written this down, but we kind of stumbled on another pro is that, yeah, generally they're smaller, smaller class sizes. So you have more one-on-one time with the professor. As I know at SCAD, we would, we had a, I know they, they tried to keep the class sizes reasonable, but we had a couple animation classes where there was like, you know, 30 people in there and you only have like an hour and a half for class and people are, everyone is showing their animation. So that breaks down to what, like, three minutes oh per animator or something like that. And you can't get detailed feedback in three minutes. You just can't, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, that's a, another strong pro. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know if it's changed now, but I know when I was with their animation mentor, they were using Google Hangouts and Hangouts had a 10 person limit. So that was just by default <laughs> the class limit. Awesome. <laughs> so, so mine is the mentor. They could only have like nine other students. So that was that's just their like, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's different now, but. <laughs> that's amazing. The longer we go into the future, uh, like the further we go into the future, I should say, uh, the more that number is going to shrink because it's at the point where students who are in those 10 people group classes want even more personal one-on-one time which brings uh uh in this 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 concept of uh the students hunting down the mentors uh and asking them hey do you offer one-on-one classes just mm-hmm. on the side not not in brick and mortar school nor the online part of the online course it's just w- truly one-on-one sessions so uh, I don't know how many people actually uh, take advantage, or I wouldn't say take advantage, but know about this. It's just reaching out to a, um, a an animator or a mentor that you know has a good reputation and just asking them, hey, what's your hourly rate for teaching? And can we schedule it anytime this month or next month or whenever you're free? So that's, that's the other thing that... Um, uh, I, I've seen, uh, quite a few times now. Um, and, uh, it's a, it's, it's an interesting concept. That's actually something I had, I didn't know until I, I like, it was like I was graduating and then I found out that some other peers were doing that with some of the mentors. So I actually had no idea that was, Ooh. that was a thing. Oh. So <laughs> they're yeah. just cheating. How could they? <laughs> it should be illegal. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. I would not have thought to even bring that up or yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. So we just went over a lot of the great reasons why online schools might be the best option for you, but that's not to say that there aren't a couple cons as well. So we'll get into a couple of those right now. Now, the first one, which we've already touched on a little bit, is just that you might not have quite as well-rounded an education. Um, like a lot of the brick-and-mortar art schools work in foundational art training early on in the curriculum, so you might have sort of less figure drawing training or gesture drawing training or that kind of thing than you might get um, at a brick-and-mortar school. You might have sort of less filmmaking training or like film analysis training like if you never had to take like a film history course or something like that um and then sort of what garrett touched upon earlier you you don't have quite as much opportunity to explore and maybe take random classes that maybe aren't as specific to your career but might still be inspiring and informative like uh, maybe you would have also enjoyed taking like a children's literature class or like a comic book um, or yeah, sequential art comic class or something like that, um, which maybe, yeah, again, not specific to your specific discipline, but could still be informative and inspiring. Yeah. And I, honestly, like, if, it's kind of like if you don't, uh, what I was mentioning before, if you don't know what your discipline is, then um going into an online animation school that's just animation will probably, I don't know, maybe not be the right thing for you. <laughs> Who knows? Mm -hmm. So I think that, yeah, that's kind of um, not having that option. Yeah, you have to know what you want to do if you're taking out these specific classes. Yeah, 100%. And uh, one of the pros for uh, brick and mortar that we talked about was... Um, more interaction with, you know, like socializing and meeting people your age and, you know, being in an environment like that, we listed that as one of the potential cons for online schools where you're more often than not just interacting with people over the internet. So you're not going to have as much of that. Um, so Objection. Whoa, <laughs> oh, snap. Man. What's your, what's the objection? I mean, uh, those, those interactions are really nice, but you do get... <laughs> <laughs> the, the people you could relate to, like in high school, right? You, you you have people who are very shy, who wouldn't interact necessarily uh, with anybody, and they would just sit in the corner and do draw doodles, right? So you can technically say, hey, you could have the same issue with brick and mortar school, um, with more bullying, I guess. But uh, it, 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 again, you can, you can look at it both ways. I, again, I haven't experienced the brick and mortar school, but you can have a social fun, um, life where you do practice your, uh, sort of the, 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 the social skills, soft skills. Soft skills yeah. yeah. Um, and with, by things like playing video games together, right? Uh, well, uh, it's more in the male demographic, but, uh, you do get the same opportunities that, you, well, maybe not the same opportunities, but similar opportunities going to an online um, school. Then I, I see your point. Like you're, yeah, you're basically saying like if you are a really introverted, shy person, and you go to a brick and mortar school, you might not get that practice that we're talking about, anyways. So it's like, why is that an advantage if 
you might not take, which I think is a fair point. Yeah, I think it really just comes down to like you knowing who you are, you knowing like what you are comfortable with, what you like. And, you know, I think if you know that, then you can kind of gauge for yourself what you'll kind of just what feels more comfortable off the bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you're trying to oh. find yourself, that's a whole different topic <laughs> yeah that's another podcast <laughs> animation happy hour finding yourself yeah. tune in we're bringing joe and laura back <laughs> Identity. spiritual journey that's right Part i mean what sweet. this point is like what this point is getting at is sort of like do you have or is this social life of going to parties and like having a campus life important to you Um, I mean, it's hard to place a value on the experience that Ben and I had where we we had a class of people we came with at at graduate school and we were very close to them and you could call them up any night and get together um, for watching a movie or drinks or we had, you know, I mean... I feel like a jerk because I'm like plugging, like throwing parties and having like (laughs) having beer pumps. Rager! (laughs) But like we threw threw parties like when (laughs) we lived together and um, it's hard. Like that was a really fun and important time in our lives. uh, Mm -hmm. That was definitely a huge pro. But the question is, would they travel with you halfway around the globe uh, to just stay together and keep working together because that's exactly what happened at uh with our study group where one two three four four or five of us got an opportunity to move to singapore uh in the same study group that that, that was the study group that wow. uh was well bigger than that but the core group did get those offers and we did travel uh, together and stay together um wow. and yeah and work together so awesome. for a year so yeah it, it is it, 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 again with with nowadays it's it's a little bit different with with internet and um sort of like international uh sure. things joe have you ever felt that people from online schools are treated differently than people who went from brick, brick and mortar. We wrote that down, but as I'm saying it, I'm like, that seems ridiculous. That, that probably isn't something that you've noticed, I would imagine. Uh, no. If anything, they would be looked at, oh, someone who's more specialized than if you were to go to the general art school. I mean, I guess where yeah. that question's coming from is like, does your uncle who has knows nothing about animation, oh, do yeah. they like treat you differently? Different. Cause you that is know. yes. A, a huge. Yes. yes. Yeah. Whoops. I totally misrepresented. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that that's what it came from. <laughs> yeah. Thank no, you. you're, and you're is parents, that a con and yeah. Convincing is, your parents who were taught that degree is everything is very difficult and grandparents, yeah. especially. Like. I mean, my dad kind of only supported my ambition to go into animation. Um, if I promised him I would get a PhD in animation and I would become an animation professor. <laughs> um, um. So, like from a, for like a guy like him, and then all I come out with with all like a year and a half is a certificate that's like not accredited to anything. <laughs> it's like you know <laughs> something, something else altogether. So what is this? <laughs> what is I mean, those paper? certificates you can just make your own. You know, yeah. right? it's like you could just. Not, you're not helping my argument. At all. 
but yeah so I, I mean yeah there is that challenge Sorry, yeah, it, it is very difficult to convince the parents. Even after you finish, even after you get a job, they would still ask. Well, they would still ask me. It's like, hey, when are you going back to school? Like to get a real mm. degree. It's the same right? with my dad. My dad's like, oh, you're still going to go to grad school, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, e- even after I got to Blue Sky, that was the same question. I came back to New York. They're like, so are you planning to take uh, a college thing on the side sometime soon? Oh my yeah, gosh. it was years and years. Even now, it's like I, at Disney, they're like, hey, so are you thinking of going back to school uh, anytime? I'm like, ah, this is... Yeah, we think you're a superstar. Mm-hmm. No, but it was the same for me. Like, even when I, I like, got into DreamWorks, um, my dad was like, okay, so, like, have you had your fun yet? Like, are you are you done with this? Are you, are you, are you ready to go back? <laughs> and I was like, okay, this is not, like, a like a time of my life where I'm trying to, like, let out some emotions. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's in those DreamWorks years. <laughs> crazy DreamWorks years. <laughs> well, all of that conversation kind of touches on our next con, which we've already mentioned, which is that you don't have, like – necessarily an official degree coming out of an online school, which can be a con for visa reasons and teaching opportunities and for (laughs) explaining your career path to your parents and grandparents. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, yeah. And I keep, you know, as we talked about before, all of that is, you know, always do your research. Some of that stuff is changing and stuff, but traditionally, yes, that's one of the cons. Um, also I would say sometimes that you could argue that self-motivation is a little more required with the online schools since there's so much flexibility. It's super easy to take off a quarter and that turns into a few quarters. Next thing you know, three years have gone by and you haven't taken <laughs> another class or, you know, it might be a class where you only meet once or twice a week and then it's on you to be continuously, you know, trying to better yourself those times in between classes, because especially with the online schools, if you're only working on your animation right before or during class, you know, it's not going to cut it like it, you know, it sounds like Joe and Laura had great experiences and had, you know, really good communities they were part of. And, and I'm sure that was mainly because they were identified as very hardworking, self-motivated individuals and could put themselves in uh, situations where other people wanted to, you know, <laughs> latch on to them, ride their coattails to the top. Uh, but no, to, to be part of a community community with them. And uh, yeah, just a, a lot of that falls to the individual when you're in an online class in particular. So yeah, the, the time discipline uh, at Animation Mentor, they actually emphasized that and they had the supplementary classes just to teach you a little bit about time management and how you can, uh, well do it better than you currently are um i didn't really look into those classes to be honest because i didn't have too many things to juggle but i i have the utmost respect for people who did have to do that uh, who had the job who had the family and kids on top of the job and an animation mentor at the same time that was just insane and they did come out with some like amazing uh demo reel pieces I absolutely agree with that. And actually, I'm glad you went first because I think your point, your point was more relevant. <laughs> um, cause Laura, I'm just going to talk about cats or something. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear what this is. <laughs> no, it's still, it's like fairly, un- well, it's just because as Ben, as you were talking, it made me, I feel like I kind of like maybe portrayed that my time at animation mentor was easy or like, I like smooth sail through it. And I wanted to just point out that that was not at all the case. Like mm-hmm. I cried 
so many nights that I was animating and so many nights I just had breakdowns and I would pull all-nighters on Friday and Saturday. And I don't encourage this, but I would pull all-nighters. Our assignments were due Sunday, so I would pull an all-nighter Friday and Saturday. No question. Maybe on Thursday. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like I, I don't I, – I just don't want to like get give the misconception that like, oh, it was easy by any means or like I just lucked through it. Like it was – it was like a lot of like – and I, and it was self like in terms of like self motivation factor like I really had to like constantly like when it got hard and I had a mental breakdown and I just like I didn't think I could do it like I didn't understand how these people animated I didn't fully understand the concepts and they were like seemingly simple concepts like one of the first cl- like assignments they make you do in class one is a pendulum assignment where you have like a <laughs> you have a pendulum going back and forth and you have to like make sure the swing is going you know back and forth and make it feel realistic with physics. I just, like, I couldn't, I don't know why, like, and I went to an engineering school, but for some reason, like, I just couldn't wrap my head around it, and I'm like, why would it swing that way? And I remember I submitted my assignment, and then, um, Jane, who was my mentor that time, bless her, like, she, like, gave me a critique where I had, she was like, yeah, so you basically animated it all going in, like, the opposite direction, so if you just, like, flipped it, and you did, like, the opposite, then it'll be, like, moving in the right direction, so... It's, like, simple things like that that are, like, very seeming, like, oh, like, anyone should understand it. Like, I just couldn't, like, wrap my head around it. So, I know this seems like a little bit like a, like a, like a tangent, but I just, I, 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 there were, like, a lot of those times, and I had to really remind myself, like, why am I in this? Like, why am I, like, why do I want to do this so badly? Like, can I ever, and I think the biggest question you'll find yourself asking is, like, am I ever going to actually be able to overcome this? Am I actually going to be able to learn this skill? And, like, now that we're here and I'm, like, employed at Disney, which is great, but, like, for na- now, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, it's, I, I got it, like, maybe. But, like, back <laughs> then, it was just, like, it just was so unattainable. So, I think mm-hmm. the self-motivation factor is, like, you really need to make sure that you always know why you're doing this. And you have to kind of, like, really keep that top of mind. Like, it's hard, but, like, I, I, I want to do this for X, Y, Z reason. And I think... If you, if you need to write that on, like, a freaking piece of paper and, like, post it on your wall, do that. Because well, the screen, well, on you the side of the screen. <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah. Because you will, I don't know, I, I feel like if I didn't have that, I probably, I might have quit, well, like, many times. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. Yes, because we, we've talked about this before, but we have a tendency to gloss over things and just be like, yeah, be motivated, you know, <laughs> like, something new. Uh, uh, there, yeah, it it gets ugly, <laughs> you know, on your way, educating yourself and, and dealing with, you know, such a competitive industry. And I, yes, thank you for taking a moment to talk about that. So moving on to the next con, um, I'm going to cheat a little bit and talk about my background in stop motion because the next con that we wrote down was that with an online school, you might have less access to resources. Um, and in my case, like with stop motion, I like greatly needed access to like a stop motion stage and Mm -hmm. like the camera equipment and lighting equipment that they had. And since it was like a physical hands-on discipline where you make puppets and you're learning about fabrication, I think that specific discipline would be very hard to learn uh, over the internet. And I'm cheating a little bit because (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's stop motion and not character animation. Uh, I had such a good counterpoint and it just <laughs> flipped out on me. <laughs> I was going to yell object, but I can't object to that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, it, it applies a bit to CG, just like, you know, all these schools have these computer labs set up with like beautiful brand or not necessarily brand new, but like beautiful Cintiqs and um, miles of computers and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But um, <laughs> I'm jumping on Joe's objection that I can see on our list. That's right. But, it, <laughs> but it's true <laughs> that probably the cost of like your computer and um, the online class would be less than a brick and mortar education. But yeah. for me, like a huge selling point for going to brick and mortar was because I wanted to do stop motion and like really wanted to access everything they had there. That's a really good point. Um, also, I think I want to add on um, with a lot. I think we've been primary focusing on animation online schools, but if you are interested in other fields, I don't, I actually don't, I'm not that familiar and I don't think there are a ton of disciplines available for like if you were interested in lighting or effects or, um, you know, any of these other disciplines are um, of interest to you. There aren't quite as many like widespread online schools available for you. So your best option, honestly, might just be brick and mortar at that point. I object. Okay. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Please object because I don't actually know a ton, and I don't want to be like preaching to something I don't really know. Well, n- nor do I. Like, uh, I'm not familiar with other disciplines. Uh, you know, but I am. That's it. I object. I just feel it in my bones. <laughs> I just can feel it. Uh, no. Uh, well, the reason why I'm objecting this point is because uh, if the discipline is very sort of niche, it's going to be. I feel like it's going to be even harder to find that uh, in a brick and mortar school because mm-hmm. of the, all the subjects that you have to take along with it. Uh, yeah. You might not have time um, or the right mentors to to guide you through those niche fields. Well, I think the way I saw it is like, what if those schools just don't exist online? Period, though, because I think there are some disciplines where there literally just isn't a school online for it that specializes in it. So, how like for those people? Um, like, how would you approach trying to get into that field then? Yeah, that's that's a very tricky, tricky mm-hmm. subject. It's good. It goes back to a previous thing we were talking about where you really have to do your research and look at what teachers are available and stuff. Because Joe's right. It, it could be more difficult to, you know, yeah, you might say, okay, I can find nothing online and go to a brick and mortar and there's nothing there too. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but then you right. might end up at a place that... It just happens to have this amazing teacher who did lighting at Pixar for 30, 30 years, you know, and is now teaching at this place. But, uh, but yeah, sorry. But his subject as well, yeah, it, it might have been outdated by another like 10 years. And especially with the tech fields, it's very tricky to be up to date unless you are in the industry currently. Um, but when you look at the look dev and sort of like more on the art side of things, I believe, uh, and I've seen this uh, quite a few times, where on top of people asking like animators uh, to mentor them one-on-one, a lot of people actually reach out to the look deaf people who, or the character designers who are willing to take on mentees um, and who some of them who have structures to... Uh, to support several like classes uh, per week, uh, so definitely doing the research is number one thing. And you usually would have a person who you're looking up to, um, 
and sometimes even politely reaching out to them and asking them what would be the right step for you to take, whether it's going to school or finding somebody who's willing to take you as a mentee. Um, if you're good with the social skills and, and soft skills and can uh, be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Proactive. Uh, proactive and approachable uh you can uh, definitely yeah. find ways to to see if anyone is willing to take you as uh as a mentee that's great that's a whole subcategory we kind of didn't didn't officially plan on talking about so I'm, I'm glad joe brought it up was just the whole um option to be for like private mentorship you know if you're mm -hmm. willing to pay mm -hmm. for that or, or maybe somebody would do it for free but then you run you know, obviously a host of other risks with that, with, you know, how disciplined it'll be or whatever. But yeah, I mean, mate, that is a good option if, you know, there's not a lot online or in brick and mortar for what you're interested in. It also makes me think of quality control as a potential con for online schools when we're talking about this whole subject is you, there is, there's, we talked about this with like online schools being sketchy when it first came out, we were like, is this, <laughs> is this legit or not? Um, but in all seriousness, I feel like quality control is kind of hard to gauge in online schools or like like what is legit. You know, you have to do a little bit of research and to Joe's point of like, is this going to teach me the skills? Is this just trying to take me take my money? You know, is this good? Yeah, um, especially if it's not one of like the big major like well known online schools. You're right. There because there's a lot of like other stuff out there. And arguably right. you can say the exact same thing for the brick and mortar schools yeah. too <laughs> yeah that's yeah. true that's true yeah. or for the one-on-one -on -one sessions as well mm -hmm. so yeah, definitely always always do your research first i've been paying oh. garrett for months and i just I, I <laughs> it's worth it you yeah. got to take the class again man uh, you're you know you're right <laughs> sign up again the only thing i'll add to this section as we kind of start wrapping up the cons is um, it is a changing landscape. So even though your discipline might not have an online school for it right now or your desired discipline, it's possible that a school could emerge within the year. Like mm -hmm. I, I've just heard of a new lighting school that got started recently by some blue sky lighters. And yeah. um, there's plenty of online classes available for storyboarding and vis dev. So um, yeah, keep your ears out open what's the phrase yeah and honestly like i think what i found to be really emerging is actually instagram is like a really big and emerging field in terms of like mm -hmm. networking which actually surprised me um because i think at first like i was very hesitant about people trying to like network over instagram but it's kind of become more commonplace now where you know like you have a lot of people reaching out through there and obviously like you know there's a lot of like as long, just like be polite when you reach out. Understand that not everyone can get back to you, and they're not like maliciously trying to ignore you. But you know, I think it does. It does. It doesn't hurt to like reach out to like any of these like people that you respect and you know they're in the industry in a very specific discipline that you might be interested in. That is kind of like a really good way to maybe potentially um, get advice or find a way to get into that field. Um, but also. You know, I really do want to emphasize, like, do not be butt hurt if they don't respond to you. Do like, don't take that personally. Yeah, but, totally. Yeah. <laughs> well said. All right. So, in summation, um, if we were to just ask the simple question, can you get a good CG animation education from an online school? I think we would all say yes. Yay. Yeah. That was. I wouldn't leave wow, it just that like was... that. That was so perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <in all laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the delay. So now we are going to transition to discussing a couple different scenarios. Yeah, these are things that we were kind of asked um, kind of independently about this whole topic. And I'm just going to start with the number one thing that we were asked about, which is how does quarantine affect this conversation? Like how does staying at home? Cause, cause in the United States, at least we're all mostly staying at home. And does that impact, um, whether online schools are better than brick and mortar? And I think it definitely does, but I wanted to open this up for all of you guys to just talk about the implications of what that means. And if you're listening to this two years in advance, you can go ahead and skip ahead like 10 minutes because we're out of quarantine. 30 minutes, yeah. Yeah. Google COVID. Yeah. Um, I think this is like very multifaceted because I think, um, like I know I'm getting a lot of emails from MIT actually and they're going through with their own problems where Mm -hmm. um, like right now, like international students might not even be allowed to continue taking classes and that's, you know, there's a ton of international students and um, if, that that's who you are and you're trying to come into a brick and mortar school right now, that really might just not be a possibility because of the government, you know? So I think that is a huge thing. Um, it is affecting the situation greatly. Um, and then of course that aside, um, you know, a lot of the schools are very like, I saw a meme recently that was like all colleges deciding on what to do. And like the next one was like, all of them are just like panicking because like none of them have any idea what's going on or like they're just saying things but they're without any real clue of like how the fall semester is going to proceed. And I think mm-hmm. that that is currently the situation. Um, and I think to that point, it's just, it's just funny because if I think about my time when I was an animation mentor and the pandemic now, like literally, like I could have been in the pandemic that time and I would not have known the difference because that's like I was just home like all the time. I didn't leave the house. I yeah. just studied all the time. So mm-hmm. um, I think when it comes to like COVID and what's going on with the quarantine, like an online animation school almost like is the only option in, in some senses that makes the most sense. But I don't know if like any of you have other things to say about that. Yeah, That's good I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no objections yeah, I, there. <laughs> especially when we're comparing the price points, and all of a sudden, all of these brick and mortar schools are having to do remote classes, and they're not yeah. really set up or trained to do it. It can feel a little ridiculous to pay the prices for a quote unquote brick and mortar school yeah. that is going online. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. Um, so absolutely take into account the pandemic when you're considering your education options. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's tough because we don't even know how long this is going to last for. So like it yep. could end as quickly as like early next year, but who really knows? I think that's the crappiest yeah. part of all of this, to be honest. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. So many of the benefits of the brick and mortar school that we, we kind of talked about were related to being in a place physically with other people. So if you take that all away and you're just left with online school, I mean, you're right. It's like, it's kind of a no brainer. It's like, well, I don't know. Yeah. It seems like very much in the camp of online school. So, I mean, yeah, you're right. We don't know how long it's going to be, but it's definitely worth considering. I mean, one question I feel like we get asked a good amount is, are we happy that we went to a brick and mortar school? Um, For me, I, absolutely do not regret going to Harvard undergrad. Um, I feel like I grew as a person while I was there. I learned how to learn. I met amazing people. I explored so many different 
topics and um, different parts of academia. Like I remember taking courses in Greek mythology and I took Italian and um, just covered a very wide range. I studied environmental science um, among other things. (laughs) And I just couldn't replace that time for the world. Those four years were definitely extremely formative for me and some of the happiest years of my life. So for me, I I feel like it was definitely identity forming and kind of crucial to who I am now. Um, I want to give the huge caveat that I didn't have to pay for college. And I'm really privileged to say that um, my parents paid for it and I'm really lucky that they did. So it's very easy to say that it was worth it. Um, now it's a little bit, I have a more complicated answer for the question of, do I regret going to graduate school and going to SCAD? Um, and again, (laughs) it's going to be a long answer, but, um, basically, no, I don't. Um, again, I didn't have to pay for it. So it's easy to say that I didn't have, or that I don't regret it. Um, because it did give me the space to explore. I studied stop motion. I studied CG. I took those foundational courses. I got a chance to work on a collaborative short with friends and a chance to practice producing. Um, So again, those years at SCAD were formative. um, And I met my husband and I got to live in a new beautiful city. Um, and again, I can't picture myself without having spent those years there. Um, but I say my answer is more complicated because I, I can admit that I have trouble recommending graduate school to people that approach me and ask me if they should go to graduate school or if they should go to an online school, because I do feel like, the graduate program, it wasn't the most direct way to get to where I am now. If you want to be a CG character animator and you know that, or if you want to be a storyboarder and you know that, I don't think graduate school is the best option because it is just so expensive. And you can take an online course for a tenth of the price and it will be more efficient both in time and or both in terms of time and in money. So if someone asks me, (laughs) should I go to Sky Graduate School? I very rarely say yes. And I have to admit that. Granted, SCAD did absolutely help me get to where I am now. Um, The classes I took there with professors like James Crosley, I learned a ton and I learned what I needed to learn to be able to get my Leica internship and to be able to get my production assistant job at Blue Sky. So, yeah, it's another long-winded answer. Um, But in short, I don't regret the time. It's a lot easier to say I don't regret it because I didn't have to pay for it. And again, like we said, if you know what you want to do and you know your specialty already, online school really might be the best option for you. Ben, do you have anything to add? Oh, for sure. I mean, obviously, my experience kind of uh, mirrors your own. But um, if we were to take out 
of the equation that we happen to meet there. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's the, you know, it's kind of a trump card. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's a good one. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, it would become a lot tougher for me to say that I didn't regret it, to be honest, because mm -hmm. it, it is just so much money. And ultimately, I, you know, I feel like, and again, if you know you want to be a character animator, everything we've talked about, mm -hmm. it, it's just, it's hard not to see that disparity between what you're getting yeah. for how much money you're putting in. And um, so, again, it's also kind of tough with us to say, okay, well, we're happy where we are now. Everything we did prior to this led to that, so it's hard mm -hmm. to regret it. You know, you can't really, you know. But uh, I guess just similar to you, I'm just kind of rambling, saying the same thing. For for a lot of people, I, I would advise against brick and mortar, I would say. Yeah, I'm torn, though, too, because, I mean, the reason I brought up Harvard was because a lot of our listeners are probably high school students who are debating whether to go to college, an undergrad college, or go to brick and mortar. And I mean, the undergraduate college experience of living on campus and living in a dorm and being that close to your friends 24-7, it's very hard to replicate. Or it's hard to say to someone, you don't need that. Or like, Yeah, I um, guess I would, to be the devil's advocate too, I yeah. would say if you have a chance to go to Harvard at MIT and you have a scholarship <laughs> and can afford it, go for it <laughs> because <laughs> right. you're getting in with like an elite group. It's a great thing on the resume, even if it's not directly related to what you want to do. Like you have an incredible network through that um, versus if you're going to a smaller private college that has zero name recognition, but still costs, uh, you know, $200,000 to go to. Yeah. It's a totally different thing there. I mean, um, e even with the name recognition for the art school, a lot of people, a lot of classmates that I had um, or people that I talked to at AM uh, when I was there, uh, they, most of them regretted going to those schools because a lot of them dropped out halfway through realizing, hey, they're not teaching me what I want to know and I know exactly what I want. And yeah, it's, 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 the topic of, hey, it was really nice to be on campus and to interact with people and go through those experiences, uh, like more social experiences, is definitely a thing that everybody mentions. But in terms of you landing a job at the end of the day, yeah, that's a big no-no. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I a thousand percent think the online schools are the like fastest route to getting the skill set that you need to be a character animator. Yeah. I it's just hard to kind of weigh the pros and cons of like do you want that college experience that you see in the movies and like <laughs> you know like yeah. how important is that to you or is it not important and that's totally valid. Yeah. And obviously yeah. probably the biggest factor is just money, right? Yeah. Like if you're yeah. if you're taking out ridiculous student known loans for mm -hmm. just the quote-unquote college experience maybe not the best yeah but if you're in a position where you know your family can pay for it or it's not that big of a deal or whatever it obviously it that the quote-unquote college experience becomes much more worth it i would say so yeah it's so yeah i don't know wait i keep dancing the, around. I don't know. the only thing i would add to that i agree with your guys's assessment of brick and mortar the only thing i would add though is that um I certainly got my first job in New York from connections and networking opportunities that I got from other 
teachers and or professors and students. And like I recommended friends to these jobs or these uh, other students recommended me for these jobs. So certainly there is networking opportunities within brick and mortar schools that can be good. I think that same thing can be applied to online schools though, if you, you know, establish relationships with them. Um, and it's, it's a little silly to be like, yeah, you should pay, you know, $60,000 a year for some networking opportunities. Like it's like, yeah. whoa, that's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. but I, it's, it's worth bringing up. I mean, it goes hand in hand with all of the the pros and cons mm-hmm. we've talked about. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I, I, I would agree with everything that's said. It's the experience that you want. Um, mm-hmm. and I agree with Katie, like going to MIT, like I would, I don't regret going to MIT at all. Like it was completely unrelated to what I'm doing now. And I don't know anybody else that went to MIT that's an animator right now. So I, it was, it was very difficult. Cause like, I don't actually have anyone to relate to in that way. And I was kind of having to pioneer my own, my own mm-hmm. thing. But, um, I don't know. I think the people that I met were really valuable. And I think something really important that I just want to have said, and maybe this should come in later, but like, um, no matter what you decide, like whether you go to brick and mortar or an online animation school, whatever it is, like every experience that you get will contribute to you becoming the artist that you are. Because mm-hmm. like when I animate now, like I'm able to pull from experiences I had when I was at MIT or wherever, wherever I was. And, um, or when I was working in those marketing jobs and, and like use those to kind of like, you know, enhance my animation in whatever way. And I think that no matter what experience you end up ultimately going through, and maybe you will think, I, I, I the only reason I hesitate, like saying I, I regret a decision is because I feel like I can't regret it because it all kind of brought me to where I am today and made me the kind of artist that I am today. And I think that's really important to remember that to just be wary of like not putting too much pressure on this. Like, yeah, you want to think about it. You want to do your research. You want to do your due diligence. But also at the end of the day, like if you feel like one thing is right, don't be afraid to commit to it just because of like, oh, there's so many like other weighing factors just because yeah. like, I don't know. At the end of the day, it'll, it'll, if it, it will work itself out. If you have the passion for it and you want to go for something, it will, your path will end there. I'm sorry, yeah. that became like a thing. No, it's <laughs> oh, really good information. <laughs> Wonderful, yeah. Um, I was gonna kind of ask Joe because uh, yeah, I know Joe is one of out of all of us that hadn't done uh, brick and mortar college. And do you regret not going to a brick and mortar? It's it's <laughs> gonna be the same answer as you guys. I if I were to do something different, I probably wouldn't. Because of the opportunities, again, that I got uh, just going through this and also saving up probably a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it is interesting because I don't know what that experience... I, I, I've experienced what I think it might have been throughout my career because uh, of... You know, the roommates in Singapore is like, we're like five of us in, in this pretty big apartment. Uh, and, uh, when I was in Vancouver, uh, the dorm room type of setup apartment that I got where we had to, uh, share, we had like a couple of shared bath, bathrooms, um, and literally dorm like setup with the bunk bed. Um, so I went through those experiences in a weird way, I would say. Uh, that I would see in the movies, but uh, yeah. <laughs> in terms of uh, in terms of doing anything different, no, not really. Like I am very happy and was very lucky in in a lot of uh, a lot of sense. Um, I'm very fortunate with the uh, with the events that happened. 
uh, that I don't think I would have done anything different because, again, even in the school itself, I would have probably done the same thing that I would I did in the online school with the study groups and with just playing video games, hanging out at the... We, we had the Ventrilo server where we would just log in and sit and animate all day long and anyone could just pop into the channel. It's basically like Discord now. Um, and just chat about anything while you're animating. So it was actually a little bit closer than it would have been if I were to do it like in the physical brick and mortar uh, mm-hmm. setup. So, you know, if we were to, if you were a high school senior and you're saying, I want to be in the animation world, what do I do? I'd say one of the first things to do is just research. And one of the main things is that, you know, the term animation is a very general one. So you need to figure out what within the animation world you would be interested in doing. And really, that just means getting online and looking at different artists whose work you admire and looking at different um, kind of uh, disciplines you you are interested in and seeing what's out there because it can be as general or specialized as you want, really. Yeah, I would start with um, there's an amazing DreamWorks animation pipeline video that we've plugged on this podcast before. I think it's like the Penguins of Madagascar <laughs> pipeline overview. Oh, that's a great video. Yeah. Um, and they go into depth kind of over the whole CG pipeline and that'd be a great place to start just to get familiar with the disciplines. I would also spoiler next episode. (laughs) (laughs) I would also check out um, just the demo reels and portfolios of artists from different disciplines and see what speaks to you. We have a bunch um, listed on our resources page that you guys can check out. Um, watch DVD extras, watch the recent Frozen 2 behind-the-scenes documentary where they gave some pretty good behind-the-scenes footage on a few different disciplines. Um, And just try to see, yeah, what speaks to you. And if something really stands out and you already know you want to specialize, that's really informative. But if you also watch all this and you're still not sure, that can be informative too. And maybe it's an indicator that you need to explore a bit. And then as we mentioned, you need to take into account your budget, what access to money you have, what amount of risk you're willing to take on, how many loans you're willing to request or ask for, and think about kind of the timeline of your career trajectory and how long you're willing to not be working um, before you enter the workforce. How long are you willing to be in school um, how long are you willing to live at home? <laughs> All of these questions factor in. Um, and I would just say, like, logically, I, Laura touched on this a little bit. Like, this decision doesn't necessarily have to be the end-all, be-all decision for the rest of your life. <laughs> like, you can maybe try one out and then decide it's not for you and try the other. Um, or maybe... Uh, You could actually do both concurrently if you have the access to those funds. We have met a few people that did a brick and mortar school and then took an online school class over the summer. So maybe that would be a way to get the benefits of both if you can afford it. Um, Or like many people we know in the industry, you go through a whole brick and mortar program and then realize at the end you're not quite where you want to be. So then you supplement your education with online school. So Um, I guess I just say this to say it doesn't necessarily have to be one decision for the rest of your life. Um, You can make it work. 
I think. Yeah. No matter what you, you decide, it. you will kind of feel it out and talk to people and mm-hmm. make it work for you. So uh, another question that came up when we were discussing this episode was uh, some students wrote in and wanted to know if it was feasible to do both at the same time, online and brick and mortar schooling. Mm. And I think Joe and Laura kind of talked about this a little bit just with the amount of workload at the beginning. But really, if you're doing an online school, it might seem like a lower commitment. But if you're learning something as intense as like character animation, that is a huge undertaking. So uh, to be totally honest, if I just had to say quickly, I think it's a little unreasonable to do both at the same time, especially if you're actually actively taking a full course load at your brick and mortar school on top of the online schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I supplemented my education when I was in grad school with an online school, but I also took a quarter off of grad school specifically to do the online school so I could focus on that completely. So I mean, it's up to you how crazy you want to be. But I honestly, I would say it's not really feasible to do both at the exact same time. Yeah, you have to budget the time and the money uh, around so you can create this bubble of free time just to do the online or just to do brick and mortar. Because it's, again, any school or any skill set, you'll get out of the school as much as you put into it. And I can't emphasize this enough. Um, so if you only have two hours a week to put into the school, that's exactly what you're going to get at the end. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're putting every single, and I'll talk about it later um, with the uh, managing your time correctly, um, it's it's very important to, to, to buffer uh, that time out uh, from the rest of the things whenever you're trying to learn a new skill set. All right, guys. So we've been going on for quite some time about this topic um, <laughs> because it is a very, you know, it's a very lengthy topic and there's a lot to discuss. But we don't want to end the episode before we do a little quick Inside the Animator Studio <laughs> lightning round edition <laughs> where uh, <laughs> I will ask so some exciting. <laughs> it sounded very excited. <laughs> yeah. Really quick questions to Laura and Joe and just uh, get some answers. So without further ado, I'm going to go really quick. Laura, what's your favorite drink? Uh, an old-fashioned. Joe, what's your favorite drink? Ginger ale. Ooh. Laura, can you name a particular movie, shot character, or artist that inspires you the most? Um, this is Lightning McQueen and that opening shot in Cars because that like it rivets oh, me cool. every single time I watch it. That's awesome. Joe, same question. <laughs> Alan Camilo, he is uh, sort of, uh, I shouldn't say an idol, but yeah, he's uh, a very amazing uh, role model, I would say. Laura, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Uh, never fear. And I have a small anecdote with that. So I actually, uh, when I was when I was going, taking classes at SVA uh, for the short time, I actually got a chance. There was an inside-out screening and Pete Doctor was there, and I actually, oh, wow. I waited in line, and I met him, and I was like, I hadn't taken any classes yet, I'd done nothing, and I was like, hey, Pete, like, I'm super excited, like, I want to be an animation student, and like, I don't know anything yet, but I want to do this, and he um, took my notebook, and he drew um, the, the fear guy from Inside Out, and he wrote Never Fear on it. Oh. Um, oh. Yeah, and I, like, literally, like, I would just look at that all the time when I was a student. So I hope to meet him again someday, Pete, if you're listening. Like, 
Thank you. You've inspired me. Oh gosh, all the doctors. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he is. I'm pretty sure that's, that's how he Well, unfortunately, <laughs> we can't accept that answer. So that's been cut out because it's less than five seconds. So we're going to move on. <laughs> uh, no, that's an awesome, awesome anecdote. Joe. What is the best advice? Uh, what did you've the ever doctor heard? say to you, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, no, for me, it was one of the directors uh, in at my first job. Um, <laughs> pantomime wasn't my strongest suit at all, and that's what I got assigned as my first gig in the industry. So it was very difficult for me. So one of the advices that he gave me uh, was write out a sentence of what you're trying to show because he was looking at my pantomime and he didn't he couldn't see what I'm like what the ideas behind any of those moves were, and uh, he's like, yeah, so write it out in a sentence, read. Make the sentence as detailed or as as interesting as possible. Uh, try to use as little words as possible as well. And try to emphasize every word with your action that you're trying to show on screen. And that mm. made it click for me for, for any pantomime assignments. Love that advice, Joe. Laura, is there anything you wish you knew as a student or young professional that you now know? I really hate that I'm going first. Um... <laughs> I mean, a lot of, I, th I think the biggest thing is you hear a lot of things, sorry, it's not five seconds, but you hear a lot of things when you're a student <laughs> that you will be like, oh yeah, sure, whatever. Like you'll hear constantly that this, like the industry is really small, but, and like you'll just like gloss over that, but that it's true. Like the industry is really small. And I think like that's something you should really pay heed to because everyone you meet, you will probably work with them again, talk to them again, see them again. So do not make enemies in the industry. <laughs> not that you should, don't know what you're doing, but like just, you know, like, just keep really good relationships with everyone. And and I know you've heard this, I'm sure, like a million times from all your mentors, but um, do not do it, like don't gloss over it. Like this is like, I don't know, it's it's real, it's really small and um, just look out for each other. That's That's the best thing I can give you. That will take you far. Yeah. Laura Hahn dropping some realness so good. on this podcast. <laughs> no pressure. Um, Joe, same question. Anything you wish you knew as a student or young professional that you now know? Uh, get at least eight hours of sleep. Ooh, I love oh, it. That's a good one. Great. Yeah. It's, love it. It, it's a must, even when you're a student. To avoid the burnouts, just make sure to follow that every day. Well said, guys. Congratulations for being it. our first... Lightning round inside the Animator Studio yeah, edition. That was very stressful. That was stressful. <laughs> <laughs> great. great. That's what yeah. we like. Also, uh, congrats on being the first podcast we've ever had two guests. Hey, -oh. Oh. and remote. And remote. Very excited. Yeah, yeah first remote guest too. Wow. So. First remote guest. A lot of Thank firsts. You. What do we get Amazing. for this? T-shirt. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Time for tip job. Tip, tip job. I'll do my ring. Here we go. <laughs> All right. Laura and Joe. We'll have Joe go first this Thank time you. since Laura Jesus went Christ. through the lightning round. <laughs> Can you please give us, just give us a tip. Okay. So I see a lot of people use the hotkeys, uh, the period and comma, uh, to, to jump to next frame or previous frame or with alt. Uh, to between keys, I don't remember which is which, but instead of animating on every frame, 
I would recommend you find a script that can jump every two frames or every four frames or every eight frames and animate in those increments because it is way faster. Literally, it's going to be twice or four times faster than you if you were to animate with just regular frame forward and frame back keys. Joe's providing the script for that process in mm-hmm. the show notes, right, yeah. Joe? <laughs> sure. For a small fee, all proceeds go to the Animation Happy Hour. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. And not to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my tip is more a lot vaguer um, in that it's more because I think because I went through the whole like career change late in the game, and I think if I That's had great. this. Um, told to me when I was because I, I just remember a few, when I was there what I felt and I just felt fear like all the time and I was like really scared didn't know what and I was that's thinking. why Pete Doctor said that to exactly, you exactly he, could see he it knew in- nice. <laughs> <laughs> no right. he saw it in my eyes I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so scared um, maybe it's possible <laughs> I'm sorry Pete I'm sure you had good intentions <laughs> <laughs> no, but I honestly think, like, don't ever be afraid, no matter how old you are, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, I don't care how old you are. Like, if you at that point feel that you're not doing what you want to be doing in your life, and you're not getting what you want out of it, and I'm not even saying you have to be, like, it has to be animation that inspires you at this point. Just, like, if there's another field that inspires you, and you have the opportunity, the time, or you can make the opportunity or time to go after it, like... Just don't, like, don't let age be a factor. Because for me, I think that was a big, it's like, it's, it was almost like a self, like, a self-esteem thing. Like, I was afraid to tell people that I wanted to switch at, the, at like, my old age, you know, whatever, at that time. So, oh. shut up. I, I, I use, okay, for everyone listening, I use air quotes when I said that. I knew no, I would get. It was fully serious. <laughs> um, but I'm just saying, like, it's, it's, I think that's, it's a really, it sounds easy. But when you're physically trying to go through that and you're trying to tell your friends, like, hey, I want to do a career switch, mm-hmm. and they're all being successful, like, in their five-year, ten-year careers, it's, you know, I think that's a big mental block. But it's just don't let it be the mental block. Like, if you really feel this passion, you need to make the opportunity and go for it. And it's very vague. And, I, I like, I hesitate to give this kind of, like, vague, fluffy advice. No, no I think no, it's, it's great, great to hear. I don't know. It, we had a question in our last episode about, like, is it too, or can you switch into animation like mm-hmm. after pursuing something else or as an adult? So it's great for people to hear that. I actually, um, at Animation Mentor, I had a, a classmate who was in his 40s doing the class and he was yeah. kind of going through the same switch. So there there are like, you know, there's not as many, but there definitely are people who will go through the switch later in their lives and mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's totally fine. Oh yeah, quite a lot. A lot of, a lot of students in my class were in the same uh, sort of yeah. situation. Right. I think it's great to talk about too, because it, so many people can feel that way. Even if you're halfway through your freshman year of college, you can yeah. be like, well, I already put like five months into this, you know, it's too late <laughs> yeah. to switch now. And yeah, so it, it's, it's good to constantly be reminded of that. But also it's, yeah. it, 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 it works in the opposite way as well. So if you are so jaded in the animation industry, uh, if there are any professional jaded people looking, uh, listening to this, uh, <laughs> it also goes the opposite way. If, if you are enjoying this process, but enjoying it as a hobby rather than a profession or as a career, then feel free to, to find that thing that you love doing. Because again, it's, it's very important to be, I don't know, like 
try to stay inspired every day and try to stay happy every day. Uh, just do what you uh, would enjoy doing. Yeah. And right. on that note, I want to say, like, um, part of the reason that kept, uh, helped me make my decision was I always felt that I can put 100% effort into trying animation. And if I failed, if at that point I tried it, I gave it everything and I sucked at it, then I could go back into the marketing job or go back into the business job that I had and realize at that point yeah. that like, okay, this is my fate and just accept it at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so right. I think, I think, I think that's always a thing is like, no, if you have a fallback option, then maybe it's okay to like go into this other unknown field mm -hmm. knowing you have that. So before we say goodbye to our good friends here forever, uh, we're going to give them. <laughs> we a... work together. <laughs> <laughs> we're good, yeah, but we don't have to talk to each other. Oh, JK, Lols, no, we love you guys. No, no. JK, JK. All right, oh, we. <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to give these guys an opportunity to plug anything and everything they might have, whether it be just personal social media, any nonprofits they've set up, or notice I said that in the second take as well because I liked it so much the first time. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, with that, uh, Joe, please feel free. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just if people want to follow me on Vimeo or Instagram, the links will be in the show notes. Um, or just search Google my name and Joe Laura Hallmark. Yes, yeah, similarly, um, yeah, my Instagram is uh, Laura Tan. If you want to follow me, uh, or just Google my name I'm somewhere on Vimeo, you will find me. Um, and although, uh, and I am, I have started up a. I question if I should bring this up, but I've started a YouTube channel. Do it. It's called Laura Out Loud. Um, it's kind of gone on hiatus a little bit with the pandemic, but I do. My three content pillars are animation, cosplay, and um, theme parks. So Ooh. I cosplay and theme parks on the side. So, um, yeah, if, if you find me on that, um, feel free to follow or just watch and make fun of me. <laughs> oh, that's cool. It sounds like a Disney awesome. Channel uh, show. Laura Out Loud. Yeah. It yeah. took me a long time. Or LOL for short. That's really why. Oh, yeah. very clever. Really? I, thought, I thought it was obvious. <laughs> it's not obvious. <laughs> you have to see it yeah, okay. being written down. Oh. Hey, Joe, you should start one called Joe Ho Ho. <laughs> it's, it's, I just, I'm going to repeat oh. that in the episode a thousand times out of context. <laughs> Joe Ho Ho. Ho. Joe Ho Ho. So now that you guys have plugged your social media, it's time oh. for us to plug our social media nice. for the podcast. So you can find the Animation Happy Hour on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Our website is animationhappyhour.com. You can email us your questions and comments at animationhappyhour at gmail.com. And we recently started a newsletter, which you can subscribe to, where we have lots mm -hmm. of great animation links and an episode announcements. So we highly recommend you guys subscribe to that. Uh, find our podcasts I mean I guess you guys already found the podcast but you can find our podcast <laughs> on Google um, Apple, Spotify and YouTube so right. follow us and subscribe <laughs> <laughs> so we also set up a, an actual tip jar uh, where you can donate some money for helping support the podcast i don't know why it sounded weird <laughs> i'm just gonna keep going between As every if you word donate other things <laughs> yeah you don't you can't donate anything oh, no. else um, nice to but yeah if you like 
the podcast, like the information, uh, feel free to support it. You'll see the link on our show notes. Make sure to support this amazing podcast and amazing research that these guys do. Yeah. Aww. Aww. Joe. Thanks, oh Joe. Second that. <laughs> oh. Aww, <laughs> I thanks, was just going to say, all right, now, Laura, your turn. Five seconds. <laughs> 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 it was five seconds. I second that. <laughs> that about wraps it up for the episode. This has been Garrett. Katie. Ben. Laura. Joe. Thanks for listening. And happy Amazing. Joe ho ho. <laughs> 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 <laughs>